0: available in more homes than the Pac-12 network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I am David Woods from Brun Report Online.
1: And here he goes.
2: Miles Jack. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com.
0: Liner going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC. We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome everyone back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network.
2: And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. Together we are the Podcast of Champions, holding down the number 9 and 10 spots for the schools we cover in the all-important Pac-12 Power Rankings. We got a lot of show to get to today, David. We hey, got- hey,
0: and and really quick, a quick programming note. Uh, Ryan and I both have to record this pretty quick because we both have bowl practices to get to. <laughs> oh wait, <laughs> oh, wait, no, we don't. <laughs> because USC and UCLA are not going bowling. We got. We could do a four-hour
2: show, Dave. We have nothing else to do. We're done. It's
0: amazing.
2: We're just it's over amazing. So all of we- you people out there preparing for bowl, you know, fans of whatever team you're you like. You're preparing for bowl games. You're reading stuff on your message board. We're not doing that. We could just walk away, go to Hawaii or something, but here, we're still here for you.
0: No, we are recording for you. That's what we do. Do you want to give them some contact info? I interrupted you in your spiel.
2: That's fine. No, we love it. Uh, okay. So you want to email us? Uh, the emails are pretty popular. Pack12podcast at gmail.com. We also get some text, uh, some voicemails to 424 532 0678 is the number. Leave us a voicemail. You know, we don't have any bold practices to cover. You might as well like call us and tell us what you're thinking. That'd be great. Uh, our Twitter account, we've been trying to tweet out of that at Pac Twelve Podcast. And then, of course, the website, which we update or or I update, uh 12 Podcast.com <laughs> is uh so all the old episodes, all of our picks are up there. We're gonna talk a lot about the picks this week because I crushed my partner. So that's that's probably gonna be the whole show, I guess, Dave.
0: Yeah, probably just you gloating and er- in an arrogant way that's obnoxious <laughs> to everyone listening. It's fine. I don't, I'm not bitter. I,
2: I, I cover USC. You have to show some arrogance, right? Like that's what everyone says. That's so.
0: that's what you do, right? Yeah. Um, Stick your nose in the air. Don't pay attention to how it's received by anyone.
2: <laughs> there has been a lot of, there's a lot of newsy stuff going on. Okay, a little bit of uh, breaking news. Uh, Nikhil Harry, David, he's moving on.
0: Yep, he's that's go, true. That's a true NFL. thing. I don't think this is a shocker to anybody. Mm, um, no, best receiver in the league, maybe in the country. Yeah. So yeah, fine, good. Go enjoy the NFL. You'll make a lot of money.
2: He's he's pretty good. Um, we also had some news. I don't know. Should we talk about the? So oh yeah, oh yeah. You want to do it now or you want to do it later, like during the before the game or? or well, after?
0: I mean, I want to talk about. Um, I mean, this is this is big. For USC. I mean, I, I talked about it with our man Andrew Percival uh, on Twitter earlier today, but you know, can you
2: understand the charts? Okay, so the news is that USC <laughs> lost to uh, Notre Dame. Actually, yes, we're finished them. five
0: and seven, five and seven, five and seven.
2: No bowl game. Actually, we're beating them pretty good in the first half, and uh, they looked like you expect them to look with the number of four and five star players they have. But then they went back to normal USC in the second half. They lost. 24 uh, 17, they scored a late touchdown. Otherwise, Notre Dame would have covered the spread. Um, and then the next morning, so uh, I was looking for Lin Swan on the field and I couldn't find him, but he came down another way and a couple reporters happened to be there and got him. And he basically was just not tipping his cap, he said, uh, tipping his hat. He said uh, that, you know, he's made a decision uh, and he will talk to Clay Helton and tell him, and we should know soon. They wouldn't say when. But Sunday morning, they sent out a tweet and then like an email uh, two sort of tone-deaf statement or one tone-deaf statement. I mean, Clay Helton's statement was fine, but Lin Swan's statement about uh, bringing Clay Helton back to coach for 2019. And it was uh, as poorly received from the USC fan base as you could possibly imagine.
0: And, and I just don't know why that is, because <laughs> I mean... I guess poorly received because it wasn't effusive in its praise of Clay Helton, who's obviously bringing the program back from the brink. Um, (laughs) You know, I was, as I was saying above, I talked to our friend Andrew, who does all the statistics, and he said, this was the worst season USC's had since 1961. That's a true statement. That's obvious and true. But what happened in 1962, Ryan? Tell me. Tell the listeners.
2: They won the national championship.
0: Did they lose a game that year?
2: Uh no, I think they weren't
0: defeated that year. No, they did not lose a game that year. So what I am saying to you out there is history will repeat itself. USC is going undefeated next year and winning a national championship because of the confidence Lynn Swan showed in the great Clay Hilton.
2: Yeah. Uh so there was I could, you know, Andrew, <laughs> Sure. Andrew's uh charts basically were saying, okay, so here's I think where the charts came from, and this is something, a narrative we've seen from Clay Helton and Lynn Swan, the athletic director, comparing USC's plight to what happened with Notre Dame that they just played. If you remember in 2016, Notre Dame was 4-8, and and uh, Brian Kelly ended up getting new coordinators, did a lot of changes on the staff, and now they're undefeated and going into the national championship game. They've made that comparison. Um, Obviously, it's a, I mean, it's a, a very, it's a poor comparison at best. Uh, Andrew's numbers compared it more to what Mike Riley had done in year three than what Brian Kelly had done. Brian Kelly made staff changes in year eight. He had already been a head coach for, I think, 14 or 18 seasons or something. He had already been to a national championship game. So it's completely different. Uh, you know the, the parallels between the two are nowhere near what they've been saying all the time. I think that's just something they're pointing to. Like, hey, it could happen. You can make some changes and... Uh, and, and here's what could happen, but you know, he says in the state, they need to change the scheme, the culture, uh, the <laughs> discipline, the personnel and the staff,
0: but the shoes and the socks, they're fine.
2: <laughs> it's, it's insane. Um, there by no metrics whatsoever, should Clay Helton still be the head coach at USC. Uh, Lynn Swan did give him a, an extension in February. He's an inexperienced, never, you know, unqualified athletic director, just like, you know, Clay Helton was an unqualified head coach when he was hired. Um, so it's uh, it's a, a huge mess. It's not a well-run organization right now. And they can still still do good things despite themselves because it's because it's USC. Like that's that's just where like they they could have easily beat Notre Dame. Like easily. They were they were beating up. They just played better the, the second half, they'd have been fine. But um, they gave up 24 straight points in that one. But it's, it's crazy, Dave, how that's going on. And the fans, they flew a, an airplane banner mm-hmm. around.
0: Familiar with, I'm, I'm familiar with those.
2: Around the, UCLA's done this a few times. Uh, around the Coliseum and around the, the uh, campus for tailgating that said, Lin Swan, please fire Clay Helton. Um, uh, there's going to be, from what I'm told, an ad taken out in the LA Times explaining their position again to the tone-deaf, quote-unquote, tone-deaf Lin Swan. Uh, from the quote-unquote $100 donors that the USC never listens to. So it's uh, there's outrage everywhere. I've never seen it this – there's usually people on both sides. There's there's really not it, in this one, Dave. It's like all, why the hell are you doing this? And uh, it's it's tougher. I mean, Clay Hilton is genuinely a super nice guy. It's going to be really tough for him unless somehow he makes some amazing hires and and gets the heat off his back because there's a lot of heat on his back right now.
0: I mean, you're a super nice guy. I wouldn't hire you to coach like a football team. (laughs) And as far as I know, you have as many qualifications as Clay Helton. I mean, I've 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 watched. I mean, look, I'm I'm big on the bandwagon of save Clay's job, but for obvious (laughs) trolling reasons. um, If you actually watch that team, with the amount of talent they have to go, whatever, even an unlucky five and seven, because they did probably get a little unlucky. They lost a couple of games they should have won but even if they'd gone 6 and 6 or hell even 7 and 5 with that collection of talent i mean you're a, i mean you're a garbage coach that's that's i mean that's just the truth of it and we see more and more that this was all sam darnold for the first 2 years and with no darnold they look like this they look like dookie and i mean we, it's great. I think it's wonderful for the rest of the Pac-12 that USC is run with, like I don't know, all the like vision. I, I tweeted this, but all the vision of a gas station. Yeah, but that was great. It doesn't. It, it like it, this is not in any way how a modern college football program is run. Like this is some real nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies garbage where you can go five hundred and still keep your job. I mean, it's it's this is. It's pure nonsense. I mean, a program like USC probably shouldn't ever be going five and seven. And if they do, it has to be like wild, extenuating circumstances if the coach is going to keep his job. It's just that's that's the way modern college football is. It's too much money involved, too many big time boosters running programs like you've got to keep the faucet of money coming in. And if it stops, your program just it, it it you can't afford wasted years like that, and this is going to be a wasted year unless something drastic changes and they make some just absolute monster OC hire and Clay Helton becomes little more than a figurehead. But if you're going to do that anyway, just drop him and get some really good coach.
2: Yeah, you know what I think? It's uh,
0: they were ferocious.
2: Yeah, that was bad. So um, horrible. Will USC make some big splash hires? That's not really been in their culture, in their DNA. They haven't done it for their athletic director. They haven't done it for their head coach, but they would have to do it for some coordinators. Uh, I don't know. We'll see, but it's uh, pretty big news. We still don't have a, uh, you know, we don't know about the head coaching situation in Colorado either, but there is no coaching search in USC. So we said, what was it, the over-under? We said, uh, was it 1.5? Yeah. I think you said over. I think I took under.
0: There's still a chance. There's There's still still a chance we could
2: still see some. Yeah, there was like talk about Mike Leach maybe going back to Texas Tech.
0: You can see that. He said Um, he said no. He said they still owe money from
2: 2009. He said.
0: I don't think he's going to go to Texas Tech, but maybe something else opened up. Maybe someone.
2: Maybe they they uh, flirt. Some people flirt with. You never
0: know. Crazy things can happen. Maybe (sighs) maybe Colorado goes out and plucks Clay Helton off your hands. Who knows?
2: (laughs) That would be interesting. Um, Yeah, I think you know. It was like eleven programs. We're pretty excited Sunday morning in the Pac-12, uh, just not USC. Uh, yeah, it, it's one of those things where if your rival, like if you ask Chip Kelly, "Hey, what would you prefer USC do?" He would say, "Retain Clay Helton." Right? Like, so you kind of know what what to expect if uh, if your rival would approve what your what your decision is. Yep. Like if you ever play a sport, yep. you you know you does if you're in a fight, whatever. There's certain things that you just don't want your opponent to do. Um, you just know, like, oh, wow, well, I might be at a disadvantage if you do that. And if they do exactly what you want them to do, like, oh, I hope they do this, then you're usually in a pretty good spot, you know. And that's all the all the 11 other teams in the Pac-12 are, are rejoicing. That Clay Hilton's retained uh, from USC. So that's that's probably not a good sign if you're a Trojan fan. Not ideal.
0: Not um, ideal. Not what you want.
2: Well, David, we, uh, we got to do our Pac-12 roundup. Because there's a lot uh, of games to get to. There were seven games this week, and uh, I was on a streak. I had eight in a row against the spread at one point through Friday, and then I think Saturday morning, and then uh, I kind of went south a little bit. But I ended up uh, four and three. And David, you were you were two and five in your picks against against the spread. It, 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 no bueno.
0: No, I mean it. It wasn't good. This this was. This was this was far from ideal. Um but I did it with a with good effort and that's the thing that matters to me. You know, I approached it with my all. I gave it all of that and uh you know, I let the chips fall where they may.
2: So uh, I got a four game lead on you now and we only have two games left and then some
0: bowl I'm games. I'm not in I'm not into records, wins and losses. <laughs> I'm into improvement. Did this- we improve over the course of the season? And the answer to that, Ryan, is no. No, I think <laughs> but the important thing is there's still potential for improvement. There are bull games ahead. And if, uh, you know, all we got to do is is just move the needle a little bit, as my uh, as my hero Rick Neuheisel once said.
2: Yes. Move the, move the needle. Punting is winning. He had some good ones. Um, all right. Well, let's break down uh, the games. We've got rivalry games. We've got, we've got a lot of stuff going on. Okay. So this. First one, and we have the new rankings, not much of a change in the rankings. I think just two people like swapped spots and that was it. Uh, but the first one, our number 12 team.
0: Oregon State
2: Beavers. And they were hosting, uh, this is our number uh, four team. Oregon Ducks.
0: I want to spend as little time on this as possible. Sure. Um, Oregon won by 40. It didn't feel that close. Uh, Oregon State's offense, which had been good, completely abandoned it against Oregon, and uh, the Ducks racked up almost 400 yards rushing. Uh, Oregon State's a very bad team. Uh, their offense looked kind of worse and worse over the last stretch of the season, and they've got a lot of things to work out next year. I still think there's some good, you know, potential there offensively, but they've got a lot to work out.
2: They do uh, two and ten on the season. Uh, Beeves not so good. Uh, didn't win the Civil War. Um, I thought it was actually a decent start for Oregon State. Um, they moved the ball okay at first, but then they couldn't finish anything. Oregon just ran through Oregon State's defense. I would say, of you know, I've watched mostly Pac-12 football, obviously. But as far as a, a unit goes, like a you know a defensive unit, offensive unit for a team, like Oregon State's defense, specifically the run defense, might be one of the worst I've seen this year. I don't know. Would you? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's bad. Like there's, there's just a lot of times where nobody's there to tackle them. When there is a tackle made, it's like somehow they got a couple of people in there, got a couple of hats on the ball, which is great, but it's kind of like one out of three times you get that. The other times you're just running free and then hope someone the secondary makes a tackle. So uh, it's pretty bad. Oregon state. They, I think this was early in the second half or something, or in the first half, Oregon state got a huge drive. They, they were moving the ball. I think the score was still close. They switched to Coletto. Did you see this? And he tried a jump pass and mm-hmm. ended up getting picked off in the end zone. Um, I mean, did you see the trick play end around thing they tried? Oh, uh, yes. I remember that was in the second half, I think, right?
0: I can't even adequately describe it. But, like, <laughs> five dudes touched the ball and somehow they ended up fumbling it. Like, honestly, it must have been 25 yards behind yeah. the scrimmage. That was insane. Yeah. Like, whoever called that should just, like, I don't know. Were, were, were they playing this in Eugene? Or was it at Corvallis? It was was at at
2: Corvallis, yeah. At
0: least you have to walk to Eugene. Like, I don't care.
2: (laughs) It was like a reverse, reverse, like pitch back, pitch back. And it it was just awful. And then the, the Oregon defenders just kept running at the quarterback. And it was absolutely
0: insane. There has to be like a kill switch on a play like that. Like when you see like, okay, there's a dude running free at my quarterback. I can't throw it back to him again. I cannot do it. And then they do it anyway. And, oh, my God, that was that was painful to watch. And I did watch it um, at least 25 times. Like, it was, it was awesome and awful and all those things.
2: Interesting. Uh, well, Justin Herbert ended up getting hurt in this one, too. So he was uh, out for the entire second half. I think he's going to be okay for the bowl game from what I've seen, but I don't know for sure. And then one other quick note, uh, the first time in Oregon history, they had two backs, two running backs, each go for over 180 yards. I think they were trying to get one guy 200 at the end, but didn't, I don't think it happened, but two guys went over 180.
0: Yeah. um, They didn't need to throw the ball. Like Oregon, (laughs) Oregon stopped throwing the ball after like Burmeister threw it twice in the entire second half. I mean, they just didn't throw the ball. They could just run it no matter what, no matter what Oregon state was trying to do, they were just able to run it through them. I mean, uh, that was, that was egregious. And, Good for Oregon, finishing the year on a high note. Certainly helps to play Oregon State at the very end of the year. Um, you know, other teams get them in the middle of the year. Oregon gets them at the end. So that's uh, that's good. But, wow, just a beatdown.
2: Was a beatdown. Uh, okay, this one, uh, not really a rivalry game. Just kind of happens on the rivalry weekend. We had uh, our number 11 team.
0: Colorado Buffalo.
2: And they were on the road taking on our number seven team,
0: California Golden Bears. Yeah, so this game uh, finished Cal winning 33-21, which I think just didn't beat the spread. Um, It was uh, 12 and a half points Cal favored by, but it was a very odd game. Um, Colorado opened with a couple of pick sixes literally on their first two drives, which spotted Cal, um, if you're doing the math at home, 14 points. So it spotted them their margin of victory and then some. Um, From that point on, I thought Colorado actually, you know, moved the ball pretty well. I thought they were probably the better team after that point. Uh, But you can't spot a team like Cal, um, especially that defense, 14 points like that. They're not going to score a ton generally. um, So you can't spot them a bunch of defensive points. Um, I thought the biggest story in this game was those two picks and then, Colorado just getting murdered in the field position game. (laughs) Like Cal was starting every drive at like their own 40 and Colorado starting at like their own 20. And if you do that for a full game, you're uh, you're going to have a really hard time winning. Um, So even if you play a relatively even game at that point, you're going to have a very hard time winning. But um, yeah, I thought that was a story, you know, uh, Cal's won, I think three games this year where, any kind of look at the stats would tell you they should not have won the game. <laughs> um, like they got murdered in yardage or whatever it is. Uh, this was another one of those. I mean, they come, they had a total Cal had a total of let's pull this up. 211 yards. Wow. Colorado had 318, but Colorado threw three interceptions and lost two fumbles. If you turn the ball over five times, you don't win a lot of football games. So, I thought Colorado played hard. I thought they played um, better than they've looked the last few weeks, and it still wasn't enough because they just turned the ball over a million times. Can't so, do that.
2: So Cal won this game with 211 total yards. They beat USC with 207 total yards. Like, has that ever happened? <laughs> like
0: the trick. The trick for Cal is don't go over 300 yards.
2: Right. <laughs> I mean, they didn't get the 215 or whatever. What did
0: they beat Washington with? Let's see. I want to see this. Let's see. Uh,
2: Pull that up.
0: I'm pulling it up right now. Yeah. All right, Cal. Oh, they did uh, 242. So that's the trick. Cal just cannot get above 300 yards. If they stick... Under 300 yards, they have a really good chance of winning the football game.
2: Insane. Um, Yeah, so I'm watching this on my tablet while I'm in the press box, and it's like you look down and like, oh, it's, you know, we picked, we so we got the Oregon one right because that was a 14-point spread. Um, We got this one right, but just barely. But you look down and you're like, you you think Colorado's going to keep it close. And before they even... Before Cal even got the ball, they were up fourteen nothing. Like that's pretty good. Like if you're a quarterback and you get to trot out there, and it's fourteen nothing before you even do anything. Like that's that's a pretty nice uh, spot to be in. But a um, couple of pick sixes. Now, the, to be fair, the third interception that Cal got, they didn't return that one for a touchdown. So there was some improvement.
0: Hey, that's improvement. Yeah, but that's what we like to see.
2: <laughs> but but two muffed punts, giving Cal like super short fields. I mean, it was twenty one nothing in the first quarter. It didn't look like, you know, my my note was, it doesn't seem like, you know, Colorado's playing much for their interim coach. You know, we didn't know how that was going to come out. But, you know, they fought back. I mean, that's to be in that kind of hole. You know, it was it was insane. It was 24-7 at the half. Cal was up 24-7, David. They had three first downs at halftime. So. That's mm. that, that's probably is not that bad. Good. That's not good. And they were up twenty four seven. This was the thing where they had so many advantages, and they still kept it close. We had no business covering this game. I mean, like I don't know how that kept, that happened, but um, Colorado could have got the ball back with like four minutes left, uh, and then they roughed the kicker. Uh, so they were like Colorado could have like actually won. They could have you know pushed it a little bit further, uh, but then they kept making mistakes too. Uh, it looked like it was, a, did you see that one? It looked like it was tipped, but the Pac-12 reps yeah. said it wasn't, um, that was kind of weird, but, uh, I think it was, uh, two minutes left. Uh, Montez had this long run and he pitched it back for extra yards. That was pretty cool. They converted a fourth and 17, um, for pass interference on their own two yard line. They didn't give up. They were fighting till the end, but it just, it came up too short. They just made a few mistakes late and obviously a whole bunch of ones. Early. But for, for Colorado, LaVisca Chenault and Trayvon McMillan, it's the first thousand yard receiving rushing duo that they've ever had. So there's one little nice spot for that. But man, just to come out of the gate that slowly, that poor I mean, not even slow, just like backwards. Uh they just had no shot. But you know, they fought back a little bit, so that was good.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, so Cal, I, I just spent a little bit of time looking at this. Uh, they went over 400 yards against Oregon, lost, went over 400 yards against Arizona, lost, went over 300 yards against, their, uh, against UCLA and lost. So I'm not saying they need to maybe work on not being very good on offense more, but maybe the key is Cal just needs to not be good at offense.
2: <laughs> well, they've done pretty well with that, but they, they can't be good, but they can't turn it over.
0: Yeah, um, no, 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 just be inert right yeah. like just be just just don't do anything whenever you find yourself doing something stop and just don't do that <laughs> it's sort of like the surfing scene in uh forgetting sarah marshall like just don't
2: <laughs> nice yeah cuz when they were using two and three quarterbacks they were turning the ball over then they were
0: trying to do too much
2: yeah so the be inert
0: don't do anything yes. be inert
2: a body in motion a body not in motion be the body a body not at in rest
0: motion. a body at rest <laughs> tends to stay at rest
2: Yeah, so we wanted to stay at rest. All right, that's that's you know too bad. Well, they got one game left, so uh, offense for Cal. They do
0: with that strategy.
2: Try not to do anything against Stanford. Um, Okay, don't
0: do anything, positive (laughs) or negative. Don't try to do anything.
2: (laughs) Just hit the pause. Okay, Uh, next one, our number ten team, USC
0: Trojans.
2: They were hosting, David,
0: Notre Dame, the (laughs) the Fighting Irish. (laughs) I thought you'd had a sound effect. Now I Um, know. You caught me taking a breath. (laughs) Notre Dame. We talked about this a little bit up top. Don't need to belabor it too much. But Notre Dame won 24-17 in. And I'm not actually even being facetious. I think this is one of the better games USC has played all year.
2: 100%. Yeah.
0: Like Notre Dame is a legitimately really good team. They're not a fake Notre Dame team of years past. They're not that garbage 2012 team that got murdered by Alabama. They're not that team. They're really good, both defensively, offensively. USC looked sharp at the beginning of this game. They looked like they could have won this one. I thought they outplayed Notre Dame in the first half. They were up 10-7, but they had a bunch of offense at that point. They could have been they could have been ahead by two scores um, if they'd just did a little bit better job converting. Um, but that was really the story. They just couldn't quite finish. And then in the second half, they sort of reverted. But honestly, they, they looked pretty good um and uh, you know if it was any other situation where they were you know they played hard all year and they looked pretty good and say they walked into this game you know seven and four or something and then they lost in this fashion I think there'd be a slightly different tone about the season because this was I think a credible effort against a very very good Notre Dame team but coming as it did after um You know, this team basically spent the entire second half of the season collapsing. uh,
2: Not so great. No, I mean, they lost five of their last six games. So uh, that's, you know, that's not ideal. But they did look really good in the first half. And then I tweeted something like, the team I'm watching right now would never lose six games, especially in a down Pac-12. They didn't play like that all season. It looked good. And, you know, I think uh, everyone bags on JT Daniels. He was like 15 of 16 or something. Like, he looked good with the short passing game. And then they just kind of went back to hero ball in the second half. Uh, they said, uh, we were asking people, they're like, well, Notre Dame switched. Uh, they, they dropped eight guys in coverage and they were, they were using uh cover two. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's this magical defense. You can't throw the ball against anymore. But, um, <laughs> it was like, feel they saw all the time like well, they, they used-
0: were using cover too you know the most basic cover can possibly run
2: <laughs> so we were doomed at that point like oh i see that's not fair that they switched to that why would you let no yeah that's that's unsportsmanlike. To well, you to. can't
0: you can't do anything against cover two except throw contested one on one balls downfield.
2: Right, like these fake. That's patterns. actually the only thing
0: you can do. <laughs> There's you, nothing else to run against cover two. They've proven this scientific.
2: If you ever played any video games, you know you put the tight end down the middle. It always works against cover two. Hey, hey you, Ryan,
0: how, how many times did USC run the ball on uh, on on say on say Saturday?
2: Not not a lot. Uh, not enough.
0: Would, would we say would we say it was twenty two actual true rushing attempts? <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> okay, and in those twenty two rushing attempts, how many how many yards did they did they possibly generate? Um,
2: net rushing was was ninety four yards. But, but
0: it, if we're just talking the, the running backs, like the guys who are actually told to run the ball and not the quarterbacks standing there, kind of scared and getting hit by big guys.
2: Um, so just
0: count those. Are we, are we saying it was? Are we saying it was about one hundred and twelve? Is that, is that
2: 112 yards gained and then 18 Wait, yards she, lost. Yes. Right,
0: right, right. So, so so, 22 carries for the running backs for 112 yards. And they threw the ball how many times, Ryan? Uh, if you look at JT Daniels' stats, he
2: dropped back uh, 51, I think 53 times because he was sacked twice.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Does that seem like the, and, and again, 22 carries for 112 <laughs> yards. So we're talking, and this is if my math is correct, and you can certainly correct me. We're talking over 5 yards of carry against one of the best defenses in the country, correct? Yes. Okay. And and they threw the ball again. How many times? <laughs> 50, 53 dropbacks. Okay. <laughs> All right, so where why?
2: Yeah. Well, it worked I mean it worked in the first half for sure. They came out just throwing, but in the second half it it wasn't. And I think you could have run the ball, especially against a three-man front. They were dropping a lot of guys back into coverage, but USC is not really good at those second-half adjustments. David, there, I think they've been outscored like it was thirty-eight to three in the last three games in the second half uh, until they scored the garbage-time touchdown. So yeah, they they they're kind of like this. They have these windows of opportunity where they score. And then it just, it stops. It's sort of like you're out fishing somewhere. If you ever do a fishing spot and like sure. they're biting, like you're just, you, you got to throw in the line as fast as you can and bite. But once they stop, it's done. And like USC has this little spurt where they can score a bunch of points in this game, they had a good spurt, but it was got a lot of yards and not a lot of points. So they did, they, they got fish on the line, but they, they got off and they didn't, uh, they didn't get them into the boat and, uh, then the, the window opportunity closed and they couldn't score again. So I don't know what this team is, but they just they've not been able to do that really well.
0: Some guy called a marquee step ran for twenty three yards on five carries.
2: He's a true freshman from Indiana that was originally committed to Notre Dame. Okay, so he's gonna he was gonna redshirt. I think he's played four games, so I think he can still redshirt. But uh, they had Vavai Malapai get hurt, so they had to have him come in and play.
0: Well, I guess my point is he, he was fine. He, yeah. All, 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 every one of their running backs was fine.
2: Yeah. No, they're, they had a, okay. They've had four interceptions on the season, which is pretty weak. They're like eighth string safety had to play in this game. He's a walk on true freshman. He intercepted a pass off Ian Book in the end zone. Um, they got guys, David. Like, if I know you get hurt and stuff, but they have plenty of players. I'm freaking their walk on came in and has, of the team's interceptions for the year. And he played in like, you know, eight snaps. (laughs) That's crazy. That's awesome. Um, but this team has got a big run. like they gave up a 34, nothing run to Texas, a 34, nothing run to Utah, 24, nothing one to Arizona state, 24, nothing run to Notre Dame. Um, so there's, there's these big runs that they give up and their, their window of opportunity of scoring goes away and they allow the other team to score. So being up 10, nothing and then letting Notre Dame go on a 24, nothing run, uh, or it might have been 10-3 or something, whatever it was, but it was uh, it was it was no bueno.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh okay, so that was that. Let's see. Our next game, this is our uh number nine team. UCLA Bruins. <laughs> and uh they were hosting uh which is now our number, uh looks like our number five team, Stanford
0: Cardinals. Second straight, weird, fun as hell, very dumb game for UCLA to close out the season. Um, High scoring, super high scoring. Kind of, sort of thought it would be, um, but it even went kind of above my expectations. Stanford won 49-42. So there were a a few weird things in this game. Um, UCLA, I thought... They scored 42 points. Um, Nine of those came on uh, special teams or uh, via a safety. Um, The offense, I didn't think, was actually executing at that sharp of a level. Wilton Spate wasn't great. He threw an interception, had a fumble. um, Wasn't really his sharpest. The run game had a bunch of hurt running backs. Um, Joshua Kelly got dinged up a little bit. He was still playing, but he obviously had an ankle. Martel Irby looked similar, Um, and even with all of that, the scheme. I don't know. I don't know if there's a game where it's looked better um, this season, and I think that's got to give UCLA fans a lot of optimism because even with Spate not playing pretty well, and even with the running game not working the way it had in games previous, guys were just getting open. Um, You know, Caleb Wilson was just getting open against that defense, and this scheme uh whatever you want to call it it's definitely not the blur but whatever it is it schemes guys wide open you know all that stuff we talked about where we're talking trash about usc and they always have to throw to a covered receiver that doesn't really happen with ucla they're getting guys just kind of wide open over the middle um and yeah stanford's defense isn't great but um what you've seen out of the the game planning and scheme from ucla has to be encouraging uh on the offensive end um Defensively, there's just no real good way to cover a bunch of like seven-foot-tall receivers. (laughs) And uh, UCLA learned that, as many teams have this year. Um, Stanford got a lot of short fields because UCLA was playing its backup punter, um, and he wasn't punting well. And then they also uh, made the mistake of playing special teams, which is never uh, UCLA's strong suit. Um, They just have to avoid it. It's kind of the way Cal avoids. uh, They should avoid playing offense. UCLA should just say, no, we're not going to special teams right now. We'll, we'll special teams at a later date, but we're not going to special teams right now. Um, they gave up a 77-yard or 74-yard kick return to car- Cameron Scarlett uh, towards the end of the first half um, that set up a field goal for Stanford. But they also gave up a 22-yard punt return by Trent Irwin. Um, I think four drives. Started um, for Stanford on the UCLA side of the field. Um, They netted 20 points from those four drives. And only one of them was due to an offensive turnover. Um, So that's not great. Uh, When your special teams are kind of just giving up huge chunks of yards uh, pretty consistently, that's not going to put you in good position. Um, But yeah, I mean, defensively, I don't think it was actually as bad a game as 49 points scored on them sounds just because they were put in kind of a bad spot a lot. Um and then on Stanford's side they've obviously figured out their offense at the end of the year. Um they're going to be a throwing team. They opened this game I think with some crazy like eight straight throws or nine straight throws. Um KJ Costello was looked pretty sharp. He got pressured not at all and when he doesn't face any pressure, uh there's nobody better in the country at throwing high to those big guys. Um so, Stanford looks like it's figuring things out offensively. Their defense is not good as it showed, but um, that offense, that passing attack especially, is one of the most potent in the country.
2: It is. And it's weird when you see the beginning of this game, David, and I think it was like eight or nine throws in a row. Um, and like the third throw from uh, Costello was picked off, but they just kept running. The, I mean, they kept uh, throwing the ball. They weren't really running out. There was like a third and one. Mm-hmm. Stanford threw like a jump ball up like a sideline pass it looked like a usc gonna play you're like what is that like this was so weird i I don't know what shaw was doing early
0: i mean they've been they have been horrendous on goal line this year like their ogre package just has not worked this year so i get it from a certain perspective but why not just run out of a whatever a two by two spread then just be that team for this year um because even a two-by-two two spread team running out of the shotgun is more than likely going to run the ball in third and one. Yeah. Um, and I think if you're going to be a credible offense, you you have to be good at getting just one yard. Like you don't have to be that dominant rushing attack, but getting a yard, Get a yard. <laughs> That that's 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 not even just like powering the ball. That could be a little bit of scheming, like where you decide to run the ball, what misdirection you throw out there. But if you can't run the ball on third and one, I mean – I think they maybe were overcompensating a little bit hard, but honestly, from watching Stanford this year, I would prefer that because they were being very, very stubborn about trying to establish this rushing attack all year. And I think it cost them games. Um, And look, the offense scored 49 points. Um, Some of it was because of good field position, but they scored 49 points. This passing attack is great, but on third and short, yeah, you'd like to have the ability. And I think they do have the ability because Bryce Love actually had a fine game. Um, they have the ability to get one yard. just yeah. uh, But just you just don't need to do it out of the ogre package where you're telegraphing what it is you're doing. Yes. Do it out of some spread or three wide or whatever it is, but you can get a yard on the ground. Yeah, Come on.
2: It's, you're so effective throwing the ball, you just run out of the same formation. Uh, but this one had lots of offense. Uh, the early turnover for Stanford, but really three turnovers along the way, I think you cost UCLA in this one. They just made more mistakes. You talked about the special team stuff. Um, Stanford, you know, the defense wasn't playing great. They lost a bunch of guys on defense, but they held on, you know, you got to give them credit. This was, uh, was this a five point spread? I forget what this one was. It was, yeah, uh,
0: it it was Stanford by five. And then I think it jumped to Stanford by seven and a half by game time. So if we'd used game time spreads, I would have (laughs) won. That's the important thing.
2: Luckily, we did not.
0: That's how prescient I am, Ryan, is that I can predict (laughs) the game time spread and pick accordingly. Did I not tell you that's what I was doing all year? (laughs) I didn't know that. All right, go back and recount all of the spread
2: (laughs) There was, okay, there was a late fumble overturned by targeting. What happened in that one?
0: Okay, so what I'm gathering, so... If you watched it live, it looked a little bit weird because Caleb Wilson catches a ball and he's running over the middle of the field and he um, starts to get tackled, but as he's falling to the ground and not before his knee goes down, um, the ball gets poked out. Now, another player coming in from the side hits him in the helmet, but well after the ball is out. What I'm thinking the refs decided because they maintained UCLA possession despite Stanford recovering that fumble, um, what I'm thinking they decided is the targeting... Impeded Wilson from attempting to recover his own fumble That would be my guess for their interpretation of that rule It was a funny scenario though Um, The the targeting call I thought was I mean David Shaw admitted he thought it was uh, the right call I don't think that was necessarily bad The interpretation might be the funny part Like I, I could see that being called the other way as well Where Stanford gets possession of the ball But then has to take it 15 yards back Because the targeting isn't what caused the fumble. The fumble was caused by a player poking the ball away. And then the targeting was incidental immediately after that.
2: Okay. Well, it's weird because you normally don't get like controversial calls in the Pac 12. So no, I. I it, was,
0: it was a rare thing. <laughs> so I had to really diagnose it and digest
2: <laughs> Oh, boy. Okay. Um, anything else on that game?
0: No, no, that was about it. So uh, three and
2: nine for UCLA and uh, Stanford, uh, seven and four going into big game.
0: Yes, the big game this weekend.
2: (laughs) No article, David. Uh, Okay, let's go. uh, Next one. This is our number eight team. Arizona Wildcats. And they were hosting, which was kind of a ho-hum game, turned out to be. (laughs)
0: Arizona State Sun Devils. (laughs) What a sad, depressing (laughs) collapse this was. Oh, Oh my God. Um, (laughs) Yeah. All right, so Arizona had, entering the fourth quarter, a 19-point t- lead in this game. Like, they were to the point where they spent an entire drive just running the ball with J.J. Taylor because they were clearly thinking they could just kind of start to milk the clock. Like, the the, the I think it started um, at the end of the third quarter, this drive. Hang on, hang on. Yeah, so this drive—oh, no, it was at the 13-05 uh, mark in the fourth quarter— Um, they run the ball six straight times with JJ Taylor because they're up by 16 points at that point. They're thinking, okay, we drain four or five minutes off the clock. Maybe we maintain possession. Maybe we don't, but we're going to drain some time. There's no way this team that's only scored 24 points to this point is going to make a comeback. They've got to score, you know, 16 points. That's, that's two touchdowns and a two point conversion each time. Plus some to even beat us. There's no way. Um, (laughs) And then they, they, they do. And it's, it's kind of funny how it happened. So, um, well, I mean, it's not funny. It's depressing. Uh, on two successive drives for Arizona, they throw a pick, um, pretty bad one by uh, Khalil Tate, and then a fumble by J.J. Taylor. But each time it took, like, no time off the clock. Yeah. The, pick, the pick came on a drive where they'd gone zero yards in a minute 37. Um, so that was with about six and a half to go. And this was after Arizona State already scored the first of its touchdowns, so they're up by eight at this point, and they give it right back to them at their own twenty-five. Then ASU doesn't do anything; they kick a field goal, which at that point in the game you're like, "What are you doing? Why are you kicking a field goal?" But they were, you know, facing a fourth and nine or whatever. Um, and then on the ensuing pl- on the ensuing drive for Arizona, they fumble it after two plays, negative five yards, eleven seconds elapsed, and they fumble the ball. And so then it's ASU ball down five with three minutes to go and they score on a single play. And then (laughs) Arizona drives all the way down the field on the next possession. They get it to the 27 yard line. I want to say, and then they miss a 45 yard field goal. Yeah. It could not have been more brutal for Arizona.
2: Unreal. And uh, I mean, we saw ASU with some heartbreakers early They're you know, in every game it's close losing by seven, all those games. And, Pretty good, uh, you know. Pretty good run uh, for ASU to finish. You know what, Todd Graham? Who, you know, get this: Todd Graham was actually on the sidelines on the Notre Dame sidelines of USC Notre Dame. I have no idea why. Uh, but Todd Graham last year finished his second in the Pac-12 South. Herm Edwards comes in. Status quo: second in the Pac-12 South. Uh, only one of two teams in the Pac-12 South with a winning record in conference. So they were five and four, and uh, Utah was six and three. But pretty. Pretty cool stuff uh, from Herm. They had that loss at Oregon, which was tough. You know, two-point game. Um, and then to win this one by one after that crazy comeback, he won four of his last five uh, for uh, for Arizona State. So that's that's pretty impressive of what they've been able to do. Uh, but the, the most important play, David, you missed. When ASU did score on that one play, they missed the two-point conversion. If they would have got the two-point conversion, they right. would have covered the spread, and we would have won this one, and we did not.
0: That was an important play and one that upset me in real time. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Arizona, uh, you got to finish the game, guys. Yeah. Like I thought they outplayed ASU for full, like three full quarters. Um, marching up and down the field looked great offensively, and then yeah, just was sort of like no. prevent
2: offense after that. Well, I mean, obviously turning the ball over too, but it was. I mean, what was the percentages of it? What would percentage you give ASU of winning that game at that point in the third quarter? I mean, the fourth quarter, it's like not oh, I mean, it, in the
0: in the third quarter. I mean, I'm sure it was down below 10 percent. The game win expectancy was 66 um, percent for ASU. And I think it was just because they had a much higher success rate offensively. Um, like they were just moving the ball better, like consistently from down to down. And they only ran 62 plays to Arizona's 83. And I think, yeah, they did a lot better job scoring when they got it within, you know, the 40-yard line or so. But, man, just a brutal way. Just an absolutely brutal way. And they got a little bit of turnover luck. You know, they probably should have had a couple of turnovers. They had none. And Arizona had two. But, boy, howdy. What a game.
2: Boy, howdy? I like that.
0: Oh, yeah. Boy, howdy.
2: (laughs) I don't even know what that is.
0: You've never heard that one before. I don't think so. No, let's look up the etymology. Mm, I'm googling it. It's not pulling up. Nice. Here it is. Boy howdy was an American. No, that's a that's something else. Was that howdy doody? Mm, I'm looking for like some etymology here. It's just something people say when they're excited, pleased, okay. or pleasantly surprised. I mean, you can kind I'm, of
2: figure it out. I just don't, I don't remember hearing that one before. But
0: yeah, I mean, it's it's a tone of voice thing, right? Boy howdy. Yeah. Right.
2: I like it boy. Howdy. Those, those sun devils finished in second again. Um, what did you make of Todd Graham being on the sidelines by the way?
0: That's weird.
2: I don't know. I don't is know what gonna, it
0: was. Is he going to get a job there?
2: There or USC is probably gonna have some openings for a coordinator or something. Who knows? Uh, maybe he thought the head coaching job was going to be open, but okay. Um, so that was number, uh, seven and I'm sorry. Number, uh, eight, right. They, they're, they're number eight and number six. Uh, Our number seven team was Cal. We talked about them already. Uh, Our number uh, five team was Stanford. We talked about them already. Number four team was Oregon. We talked about them already. And then our number uh, three team, Utah Utes. They were hosting. BYU? (laughs) Yes. I got nothing. I don't don't know what to say with BYU, yeah. Uh, Yeah,
0: I don't know. Um, Anyway. Uh this game was the late night game on Saturday. Um I was watching it a little bit bleary-eyed. This was crazy. Um, so BYU was up 20 to nothing at halftime, and Utah looked dead, absolutely dead. Um, and then in the second half, they didn't look a whole lot better coming out of halftime. Um, you know, they, they I think they got a pick six like right after. But then BYU kind of kept the clamps down and scored another touchdown. They had it at 27-7 with five minutes to go in the third quarter. And then Utah just basically found, like, whatever offensive gear they've found for the last, I don't know, six or seven games and just put it to BYU. Completely shut them down defensively first. But um, the offense just looked so much better in the second half. They ran the ball a little bit more predominantly. Jason Shelley ran the ball a little bit more. I don't know how much that was linked to what happened. But, I mean, they absolutely shelled BYU over the final quarter and a half. Um, scored, let's see, 28 unanswered um, to win 35-27. Um, absolutely brutal way for for BYU to lose. Oof. But I'm sure Utah fans are very, very happy.
2: Yeah, the uh, the Holy War. We've seen BYU how is it four times played against Pac-12 teams, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, play well uh, against Arizona. I don't think they played that well against Cal. I don't remember it exactly play like dog crap uh, against Washington and Seattle, but this was good Utah. I mean, good BYU, right? Like this was, they came out and played like hard in this one. And uh, it was like, I think it was 13, nothing in the first, um, was it 20 was a 20 nothing at halftime or something like that i think that's what it was 20 nothing
0: at halftime yeah
2: yeah and then utah ends up score, outscoring them 35 to 7 in the second half and you're wondering this game didn't really mean much utah already won the south for the first time so you i don't know if you got the sense dave that that was part of it but it's a rivalry game still they don't want to lose this one so i think it's it's a nice it's bigger for the conference because you it's just puts utah in a much better spot in the Pac-12 championship game uh, just would be mon- one more kind of knock against the conference if it was a an eight and four Utah team that just lost to BYU instead of a nine and three team uh, that you can say bounce back after Arizona State loss uh, with backup running backs and quarterbacks and is still playing uh, high level football. So I think it was a, a really nice comeback. They didn't cover. I think the spread was like fourteen or something or twelve or it was something like that. But they uh, to come back and win this one after being down twenty to nothing and a half it's uh, pretty good.
0: Yeah. Incredible. Um, and sets up, you know, I, 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 think Utah when they lost Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss, I think we were all saying, Oh, they might be dead in the water now. You yeah. know, they'll still win a couple of games here. But since that game, what was that at ASU? They yeah. lost, that was where they lost, um, yeah, Huntley. And then Moss, and Moss. fell that, that week in practice. Um, they've gone three and and They played one of their best games of the season against Colorado, um, but they played really well against Oregon and they played more than well enough to win. And their offense, most importantly, hasn't really taken a step back from that midseason surge. Like they've been consistently really good since then. So adding Jason Shelley, adding Armand Schein hasn't really changed the makeup of the offense. um, So. You know, I, I we'll talk about the Pac-12 championship game coming up, but I think it's going to be a really interesting game, and I don't think it's going to look exactly like that um, Washington Utah game from earlier this year.
2: So they've won seven of their last eight, and to have played the toughest, you know, cross division schedule you could imagine with Washington, Washington State, Stanford, and Oregon to win the South for the first time, uh, pretty impressive. Nine and three, six and three in conference. Yeah, the the Pac-12 South was down, but you know they they lost them. They lost two key players late in an important stretch run, and they were able to uh, overcome that. So uh, great for Kyle Winningham. Uh, he's the he's the guy, 10-1 in bowl games. What is he going to be in Pac-12 championship games? Well, I don't know. We're going to see for the first time, so that should be interesting. Should be fun. Okay. Uh, our last game we have to talk about now, uh, number two.
0: Washington State Cougars. <laughs>
2: They were hosting uh, our now number one team in what we call ideal conditions, Washington Huskies.
0: <laughs> so I was on an airplane flying back from LA, watching this, and I, it almost left me feeling a little bit sad. Like almost like I was a fan of Washington State. Like that's how this one, because it was so hopeless. Like from the very beginning of this game, I think if you were like a, a an a, like a intelligent thinking, thoughtful Washington State fan, you had to be like thinking, oh no, here we go again. Because it was all the exact same stuff we've seen in every Apple Cup, except this time in an absolute blizzard. But (laughs) it was just, it was the same stuff. Washington had everything Washington State wanted to do offensively completely scouted out. Just completely scouted out. Like every single route was covered. And the only thing Gardner Minshew was able to do was throw underneath. And that's just not enough. He looked like – this was the closest that Minshew has looked to Luke Falk from last year, where he just has to dump off, dump off, dump off all game. Can't hit any of those routes in the intermediate field. Um, he threw the ball 35 times for 152 yards. That is dominant defensive wow. play against Washington State. Like that is utter dominance. Um you know, Jimmy Lake, Washington's defensive coordinator, was spouting off after the game, talking about how Mike Leach never adjusts his offense and he's happy that he's there. But I mean, if it if it fits, I mean, that's that's dead on. Yeah. They they know what Washington State's gonna run. They need to adjust something. And maybe it's for this game only or whatever, but whatever it is, Washington has them dialed up. I thought, you know, Minshew being a little bit more of a improviser, a little bit more of a, you know, scrambling type quarterback who can get out of the pocket at the very least would, would play to their favor, but it really didn't. And some of that was, it probably was conditions to an extent, um, you know, a passing attack in a snow flurry versus a rushing attack. I'm going to take the rushing attack um, and Washington state just doesn't have the ability to run the ball nearly that much, but This also just looked like a case where Washington knew exactly what Washington State wanted to do and just took it away. And then Washington offensively was great. Um, This was one of, I I think, one of their best games of the year. Um, They, you know, maybe saved it for this moment. But that was, was, I I think, yeah, let's look at the numbers because I think that was, it was either their second or third best offensive performance this year. Um, from an analytics standpoint, they, they just, they looked really sharp. Jake Browning looked really sharp. Um, and that rushing attack, I don't think has looked better all year. So that was, that was a monumental beat down. It was 13 points. It could have been a lot worse.
2: Yeah. The first, uh, pass from Gardner Minshew should have been picked off and you kind of felt that might've been a sign and it obviously was, of uh, things to come. And it's funny. Washington came out exactly the opposite of Stanford. They just ran the ball. And this was before the snow. I think in these early drives, before it was raining early, and then it starts snowing. Um, they picked up first downs and stuff. They get uh, like on a third and eight, they ran the ball and got a first down. So they were moving the ball well. They get into the red zone and Browning threw his first uh red zone interception of his career he threw a pick that the was a
0: shocking stat to
2: me. yes could you believe that never had thrown a interception I, in the end zone.
0: i can see so many in my mind's eye <laughs> and yet there was only one that's shocking to me <laughs>
2: uh but it was, yeah, i think washington state bounced back and they had a good drive but then they turned it over in the red zone as well after a bad snap and washington had that early 14 nothing lead right before the half and uh Washington State ended up scoring, and Washington fumbled the kickoff, but then they ended up picking off a Hail Mary, so they kept it 14-7 at the half. But So it was close, like in the first half, but you just felt like Washington was sort of—
0: It didn't due- feel close. It didn't feel no. close at all.
2: Yeah, it just felt like they were doing what they wanted to do, and you felt that that was going to happen the second half, and it uh, it really kind of did. They—they uh, they, Do you remember the start of the second half? They had that trick play touchdown— um, it was, uh, I think it was a throwback to the wide receiver and then, he yeah, and
0: then it was to Aaron Fuller, I think for the touchdown. So
2: it was a huge momentum play. It was good about to be 21 seven, but then the PAT gets blocked and returned for two points the other way. So that was crazy. So it's 20 to nine, like how different is 20 to nine than 21 seven, you know, like that's pretty different. Um, yeah. so, but uh, they, but Washington just looked better. You know, they were really, really good at preventing the big plays that that Washington state, when they couldn't get any kind of chunk plays, like you said, they were dumping it off. Um, it really, yeah, it just was crazy what they were able to do on defense. Uh, Browning, I had a couple, I think they had two straight fumbles on a couple of Washington drives and the second one he lost, um, and set up for another Washington state TD. So it was actually 20 to 15, um, at one point. And so it was a weird score that I think Washington state missed the two point conversion, but again, it didn't feel like it was that close, you know. Uh, and then you know, you'd end up in what is it, win by twelve or whatever it was. So it was the, uh,
0: what the stats tell you and uh, Bill Connolly's post-game win expectancy things his stat profiles, which I recommend everyone looking at. It was a thirteen-point margin. Washington should have won this game by thirty points. Like that's what the stats tell you about the game. Wow, you uh, there was like
2: four minutes left in the third quarter, uh, Washington had been perfect on third downs to that point. They didn't punt till like just a few minutes left in the third. I didn't even notice that. Like they did not miss a th- uh, a third down conversion until late in the third
0: quarter. Like that's can, insane. Can, can I give you one? Can sure. I give you a stat? Okay. Both teams had 10 drives. Both teams had 59 plays. One team had 487 yards and the other team had 237.
2: <sighs> that's crazy. No, yeah. that, it was sloppy. The the snow was everywhere. Our buddy Bruce Feldman was doing the sideline. I actually asked him to call in to give us some he's but he had to travel because or like he had to fly to Columbus. He's flying somewhere else now. Uh but we'll we'll try to get him on to get some kind of um feedback of just what it was like to be on the f- sideline for this game. Cause it just looks so crazy. Um and it was per I mean, people watched though. It was a really I think it was the highest rated Apple Cup in a long time. They had it on Fox. Uh, and then uh, Miles Gaskin ended up being the first player in Pac-12 history to rush for over 1,000 yards in four straight seasons. So congrats to Miles Gaskin and the Washington Huskies for winning the Pac-12 North. My predictions came true, David. Preseason, I said Washington and Utah, and they're both in the championship. Look at you. Yeah. You're looking at My prediction. Partner, I,
0: huh? I, I don't even remember what I <laughs> predicted. It I, definitely was not that.
2: Well, you had Utah fifth, so.
0: Yeah. So I know that one, but I, I can't remember. I think I might've had Washington in the North.
2: You probably did. I mean, that was, that there was, sounds right. That sounds right. It was sort of a consensus thing. Like, yeah, everyone thought, okay, um, it's Washington, you know,
0: and here we are,
2: but yeah, so we'll have that. So uh, that's our, uh, our recap of all the games. Uh, now
0: we got to do a, a preview of the two games coming up. But before, we preview things, Ryan, I want to talk to you about something important and that is all the things in life that are not smart. Do you know what's not smart?
2: Ryan, is it retaining your head coach that goes five and seven and not doing some sort of job search for somebody? New I
0: would say Ryan, that it is, <laughs> it would be firing a head coach as clearly good as clay. Helton. That would be not smart. But if you're going to do that, do you know what is smart? What's smart? David? going to, Go into ZipRecruiter.com POC to hire the right person for that job. That person is someone who probably does not know the USC fight song. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes to identify people with the right skills, education, and experience and actively invites them to apply for your job so you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. This rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash POC. If you love this show, show your support to it and ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash POC. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash POC. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.
2: I can guarantee you, David, if USC had gone to ziprecruiter.com slash POC when they needed an athletic director, I don't think that candidate that they hired would have come up in their list of search and they would I've have met the question. requirements. Yes. I've got
0: a question for you. Do okay. you think Lynn Squan has ever created a resume in his life?
2: No. I don't think he's ever really had a job, to be honest. Yeah. Like he's, you know, he This he's,
0: one certainly doesn't qualify. Uh,
2: no, I mean, this is like a real thing. You're managing people, you're managing, you're hiring, but firing people.
0: But is he?
2: I think he's been on like boards before Um, he ran for office before he uh, you know, was a sideline reporter. I don't think he needed to create a resume to go to ABC and be a sideline reporter. I just don't think that was the, you know, he was, he did that for a long time. He was with the Steelers for a long time, you know, USC, obviously hall of fame career and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think he really ever created a resume to apply for a job or had to work for somebody or hire and fire people. So that's, that's part of the problem I would say. Yep. That's why you got to use yep. ziprecruiter.com slash POC and get a qualified Zip candidate. Fast. Yes. Fast. Get, just get yeah. the right one. You'll get the right guy get with ZipRecruiter.com. Right. USC next time. ZipRecruiter.com slash POC. It's free. You don't have to pay a search firm. All right. Um, well let's uh let's talk about the two games we have coming up. So because of the the fires and the poor air quality, we didn't get a chance. To see this one a couple of weeks ago. So we call this big game. It is
0: California Golden
2: Bears. Hosting oh. Stanford Cardinal.
0: So we're reaching into the future for this one.
2: Wait, is this like, not?
0: This is Saturday.
2: Oh crap, I put it out of order. Well
0: No, yeah. no, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. There's, There's only two. It's fine. I just wanted to call you out on it. For making a mistake, because <laughs> that's who I am. <laughs> Uh, this is on at 12 PM on the PAC 12 network on Saturday, December 1st, well after the PAC 12 championship game has ended, hopefully, unless it goes to a million overtimes, Stanford traveling to Cal Stanford is favored by two points. Is that the same line that we were given a couple weeks ago, or is that different?
2: Uh, let me look. I
0: feel it's the same. I feel it's the same.
2: Okay. So that was week. Uh, let's see. I think it was this week. We had – nope, that was the wrong one. Um, it was Stanford – yeah, it was two points. Same one. Okay.
1: All right.
0: Interesting. Well, so then I'm going to roll with the exact same pick I made, st- made last time. I think Stanford wins this game by more than two points. Um, having watched them up close, I think they have figured out their offense um, much more than they had uh, previously. Um, and I don't see Cal, even with their very strong defense, being able to cover those receivers effectively. It's just not going to happen. And then Cal doesn't rush the passer very well. And I think if you're going to trouble KJ Costello, you really do have to get after him and you got to get around his feet, make him uncomfortable. And Cal just doesn't have that strong of a pass rush this year. They've got a very good defense, but just not strong of a pass rush. I don't think it's a great fit um, defensively for what Stanford does well right now. So I think Stanford will be able to score and I just don't see Cal, um, trying on offense because I've directed them not to. I've told them <laughs> explicitly do not try on offense. And if they don't try on offense in this game, uh, they might have a few issues. So give me Stanford.
2: Yeah. I going to agree with you. Unfortunately, I did pick Cal before, but the way I've seen these two team te- teams play now, I just feel like Cal's going to go over 300 yards, David. There's no way they're going to win this game. So exactly. Uh, I think Stanford, uh, you know, they're going to be able to score enough points. Um, I think they can throw the football that, that you know, they, they sort of they did they ran okay against UCLA, but they just came out throwing. Uh, I think they're going to do that again against Cal, and just the way they're not going to get you know the kind of mistakes that Colorado had and get fourteen point leads just on pick sixes alone and not do anything on offense. They just did so little on offense. Uh, it's hard for me to pick them in this game, so it's essentially a pick them. Uh, I'm going to go with Stanford in this one as well, and we'll see. Uh, Dave, you like to call it big game. It's called the big game, not the big game, big game.
0: Uh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, Ryan. You screwed that yeah, it's at Cal. Uh, yes. So we'll see, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go Stanford. Uh, and that's why I just think they got too much offense, even though Cal's defense is really, really good. Yep. All right. Well, that's Saturday. My bad. So that that's weird. I don't know why I thought they were playing it before the, uh, but this is on Friday. Uh, but this is the one we've been waiting for. We have Utah Utes. That the representative from the Pac-12 South. And we have Washington
0: Huskies.
2: Representative from the Pac-12 North.
0: All right. So Friday, 5 p.m. on Big Fox, uh, Utah, Washington, meeting up at Levi Stadium, beautiful Levi Stadium, the powerful Levi Stadium. It's a garbage stadium. Um, <laughs> Washington is favored by five points. Isn't it wonderful to have this game precisely six games after a very emotional um Rivalry game for both teams. Isn't that great? Yeah, Love the scheduling. It's wonderful. Maybe have this on a Saturday, guys. Um, Okay. So these two teams have already played the season. I have a hard time taking a whole lot from it because that was before Utah figured out who it was offensively. Um, uh, So in the first three games, they played Weber State, which doesn't count. And then they scored 17 against Northern Illinois and seven against Washington. Since then, they have scored 24, 40, 42, 41, 41, 20 in a game where Tyler Huntley got hurt, 32, 30, and 35. Obviously, some of it was Washington's defense being very good. I'm not expecting Utah to go over 40 in this game, but clearly Utah figured some stuff out offensively since then. They were playing very badly at the beginning of the season. Now they're playing very well offensively, even with a backup quarterback in, even with a backup running back in. So it was a 21-7 game in week three. I would not anticipate it being that huge of a margin in week 14 or whatever we're in. Um, Washington, I think, has also improved. And I think they've been playing their best ball of late. Um, They crushed uh, Oregon State. I mean, it was 42-23, but they really did crush them. um, And it could have been a lot worse than that. And then they crushed Washington State. It was a 13-point win, but again, they could have won that game by 30. So I think they're playing really sharp right now. Um, But I think Utah is as well. Um, I don't like five points. I'm going to take Utah plus five. Um, I think Washington probably wins. I just think they're more used to being in games like this. It's going to be Kyle Whittingham's first time in a long time of being in kind of a conference championship situation. Um, And that team, you know, it's a backup quarterback, you know, playing with these kind of stakes for the first time. Yeah, I could see that being a little much for them. I'll lean on the experience of Washington. I say they win the game, but I don't think they cover.
2: All right. Uh, I'm going to take Washington in this one. So it'll give you a chance to uh, make up a game before bowl games. Um, I picked Washington last week. They covered for me. It was nice. I picked Utah last week. They didn't cover for me. I just feel like Washington's going to play this one. Utah came out playing so bad in that game against Utah, uh, I mean, against BYU. And then they obviously turn it around. I just don't think you're going to be able to do that against Washington. They're playing at a pretty high level right now. I like the way Utah's playing, but I think Washington's a more complete team right now. So I'll take them. I think they're going to win by like seven or so. So I will take the Huskies in this one, and uh, we'll see. We both think Washington's going to win the, the I mean, win the uh, conference, but Utah's got a good shot. I mean, they're there for the first time. And uh, I think it would be huge for Kyle Whittingham if he can get that win. Looks like two... Pac-12 teams can get, you know, the winner of this game, and then Washington State can get New Year's Six Bowls, so that's good. Um, Yeah. So that, you know, not making – oh, yeah, we need to do a segment too, David. Um, We should probably talk about the college football playoff rankings and how many Pac-12 teams will be in the playoff this year. So we should go over that. (laughs) Let's let's give ourselves – we'll give ourselves like the next half hour to talk about. We'll cut it off at that um, because I'm sure there's a lot to talk about.
0: Oh, I mean, there's so many implications from the games this weekend. Like, um, <laughs> I'm sure that the name of the team is going to come to me that has a chance at the playoffs still.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to pay attention to that. So, three of the last four years not making the playoff, not good, Larry Scott, not good, Pac 12. Uh, parody is not no bueno when you're talking about trying to be
0: well, actually relevant. Of- I mean, it's kind of dog shit parody this year, too, because how many teams even made a bowl game? Yeah, it's It's not great. It's not. Let's let's look. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on out there. I can hear you all very impatient. You're like, why is this guy not doing any preparation before this podcast? And I'll tell you why. I don't get paid for this. All right. (laughs) Okay, so we have Washington, Washington State, Stanford, Oregon and Cal, the North representing all right, five, five, five bowl, bowl teams. teams, and here's what we have in the South: we have Utah, we have Arizona State, we have Utah and Arizona State.
2: <laughs> That's so it. There
0: are seven bowl teams from the Pac-12. Wasn't there a year recently where they had like ten? Uh,
2: yeah. Um, yeah, I think there was. So seven, bowl, so there's seven tie-ins. So The Pac 12 won't even be able to fill all of their bowls if two get into New Year six.
0: Right,
1: hey.
2: so that means Ooh. like Vegas. What's the last? What's the, the lowest one? Is it Vegas Bowl or
0: I don't even know anymore. Is Cactus yeah. Bowl still in there?
2: I don't know. They change all this stuff. Um, Whatever. but yeah, so seven tie ins, and one of them, yeah, Pac 12 won't be able to fill, so it'll be a uh, some at large team from somewhere. So,
0: yeah. Interesting. Do you, do you want to know? Do you want to know how many SEC teams are going bowling this year? How many? All but three.
2: <laughs> so eleven. Yes. Wow. Well, you can you can do that in the SEC because you only play eight games in conference.
0: Do you want to know how many Mountain West teams are going bowling this year?
2: Uh, five.
0: Eight. Eight. What? That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot.
2: So more than the Pac-12. Yeah. That's good. You want to know how many
0: mid-American teams are going bowling this year?
2: The Mac's good. Uh, I'll guess seven.
0: Seven. Pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, you want to know how many Conference USA teams are going bowling this year? Uh, I guess six. Seven.
2: Seven. Okay. So <laughs> so we as the Pac-12, we're as good as the Mac or Conference USA.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I don't think it's like indicative. Obviously, they're not playing as tough a schedule, but geez, man.
1: It's win, not a good win, look.
0: It's not win a six game. games. Come on, just it's, win six games, buddies. It's no,
2: you know, uh, it's not a good look. No, um, you know what it is? They were ferocious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, should we get to some questions?
2: Uh yes. I think it's the first one, Chris. For the you guys owe me, is that our first?
0: Mmm. Where is
2: Chris? From November twenty first. Mmm. Yes. Okay.
0: You guys, can do you like, want me to do this? Uh, go ahead. Sure. Oh, wait, is this, did we already do this one? Was Chris from Seoul? Did we do that one? Yes. I thought so. Wait, maybe we didn't. All right. This is from Chris. Uh, Ryan Dave, Chris from Seoul again. I'll use simpler sentences this week because I must recognize you two get tired by the time you get around to us listeners' questions. This is true. You owe me because I spent much of this week explaining to and arguing with my wife that herocious is not a word. <laughs> English is not her mother tongue, so thanks for that. <laughs> After that, English lesson played out, fortunately, but with no thanks to the POC, a local department store had a 70% off sale on beer and wine. The sale surely was in honor of the Apple Cup or perhaps even the Colorado Women's Cross-Country Championship. Some petty naysaying Coug lover told me it was just cheap Chinese knockoff week. Sadly, I still struggle with my Korean and Google Translator has issues, but what the hell, 70% is 70%. Speaking of the Apple Cup, I had to admire Ryan's amazement on the last podcast uh, at uh, Husky Nation's Uber confidence. Very Trojan of us Huskies, wasn't it? Remember when we'd see the same attitude when the Irish came to town? The attitude was more impactful than the result. By the time of the podcast, maybe this is a settled matter, but what in the heck has kept USC from firing Clay Helton?
2: It's it's been settled, Chris.
0: It's been settled. Uh, (laughs) In the Pac-8, 10, 12, I finally remember when beating the Trojans was the highlight of multiple seasons. Unless you were Stanford, of course, who made a habit of it this current millennium. Too bad there was nobody, no fan around to enjoy it. (laughs) Lynn Swan, please restore order to the universe. What coach brings USC back from the dead? No, no, no. It is not Jack Del Rio. No, it's Clay Helton on Chris I uh, haven't heard it from you guys but I can't help it I noticed that Pete Carroll has about played out his string at the Seahawks how about USC Pete 2.0 if not Pete then how are the Trojans saved my faint praise notwithstanding you guys are fantastic Chris it's it's Clay Helton it's Clay Helton yeah, 2.0 baby you yeah ready for this? and Pete Carroll has actually
2: turned things around in Seattle right like they're now they're gonna have new ownership because Paul Allen unfortunately passed away but there was some talk about that but you don't have to now it's uh it's Clay, it's Clay Hilton all the way, baby. <laughs>
0: Clay Hilton is going to lead you back to the promised land. If Just you, get excited. Get pumped.
2: So it's funny because obviously fans of other programs aren't, you know, they're, they are excited about that. But John Wilner wrote a piece where it's like, hey, the the thing is, if USC is not good, it's usually the conference isn't good. So it's you might see more of this parody stuff if USC continues to be a 5-7 oh, say- type team.
0: Yeah. I will think about that tomorrow, for tomorrow <laughs> is another day. Today, I'm going to bask in the joy of this.
2: Nice. All right. Next, we got up. Uh, who is this from? This one's from Travis. Uh, projecting the future of L.A. Dear POC, Ryan Abraham, uh, you are compromised by your affiliation with USC, but I admire your steady uh, obduracy. What is that? Do you know what that is?
0: Sorry, I'm not. I'm not there, and I don't know how you're pronouncing it.
2: Obduracy? OB- oh uh
0: like stubbornness
2: okay i guess i'm obdurate. Yeah. Ab- is that what's ob-
0: no you're obdurate Obdurate.
2: okay uh your work ethic your positive uh influence influence on your wayward dwarf looking curmudgeon <laughs> oh,
1: david woods
2: that's dwarf looking <laughs> jesus that's awesome what a sentence um <laughs>
0: yeah that's hard to damn. read at the,
2: at the end of this i'm
0: not gonna define any more of your <laughs> words travis
2: if it weren't for you i fear the podcast of champions would not exist no of course it wouldn't david lacks initiative he lacks ambition and his stubborn insistence would surely be the death of this pod if yeah if uh,
0: insouciance is casual yeah. lack of concern
2: okay uh insouciance nice um no that's 100 percent correct travis and david will tell you that too
0: Yes,
2: that's true. Uh, David Woods, you're objectively a reprehensible person. I have young and impressionable <laughs> kids. Is this a UCLA fan? I don't know what this is. Wow, How- this
1: is rough.
2: <laughs> How am I supposed to explain to them that a Slavity, indolent, apathetic person was not only admitted to UCLA, but also graduated from UCLA and now owns real estate in this country? Your moderate Well, suc-
0: I will stop you right there. I own no real estate <laughs> in this country. <laughs>
2: Okay. So now, some,
0: some non-extradition countries, maybe, but not this but one. Not here.
2: Not in the great state of Georgia. Uh, your moderate success will compel me to explain socialism to them. Just kidding, Dave. Uh fellow UCL alum and history major here. So
0: Jeez.
2: man, he's he's rough on you.
0: That was rough.
2: Anyway, my questions. Ryan. Rough. I'm sorry.
0: Dwarf looking,
2: <laughs> All these uh 25 cent words and the dwarf looking just made it like it just had more. It was more impactful because it was surrounded by all these other thesaurus words, you know.
0: It was well done. It was well done. Do you
2: think an outside, as an outside observer, that the Chip Kelly era at UCLA is heading in a positive direction, regardless of the Stanford outcome? Do you believe UCLA will be competing for a Pac-12 title by year three? Yeah. No, I definitely think it's it's headed in the right direction. Um, you know, three and nine is not great, but when you pretty much you know turn over your whole roster in college. Uh, Not the whole thing, but they got a lot of young dudes. Uh, There was only three senior starters, I believe, uh, on this team. And, yes, they didn't beat Stanford, but I think you kind of saw, like David talked about, you saw this, whatever the offense is, it's not the blur, but you saw the scheme succeeding, and I feel like you get some more of the guys that he wants in there and people are buying in. You're going to have a lot more uh, success on that side of the ball. We'll see what happens on the defensive side. And with the way the Pac-12 is, I don't see any reason why Chip Kelly couldn't be competing for the Pac-12 title by year three. Um, you know, we don't know who's going to emerge, who's going to fall. But, the, you know, it's open for the taking this year in the Pac-12 South. And it's not like you're seeing anything that we would feel that's going to be completely different. I mean, maybe Kevin Sumlin builds a powerhouse or, or Herm or, or you know, Utah, we see him win a couple of rows. Or,
0: or, or the great oh. Or home.
2: Or, or USC. I didn't even mention US. Is that bad that I didn't even mention them? But um, yeah, I think UCLA can compete by year three.
0: Yeah. And then what's number two? Oh, I'm
2: sorry. Dave, uh, I became a UCLA fan during the Cade McNown year. Since Cade, we've had Toledo, Durrell, uh, New Heisel, Mora, and now Chip. I'm not sure how long you've been a slash alum, but in comparison to past coaching 10 years after their first year, how would you compare your optimism? Uh, for chip uh, regardless thanks cheers from Travis
0: well I, I can't speak to Toledo I don't have clear memories of his first year I wasn't that big into it at that time but um, Durrell um, I was not optimistic after year one um, I thought there were just too many mistakes it looked like it was gonna be a very long-term project at that point he looked so new to the job um, and honestly like I was still in like that college fan mode where watching that Illinois game, that first year made me want to gouge out my eyes and never see anything ever again in life. Uh, it was a game for all the listeners who don't remember or maybe have blocked it out. UCLA won six to three over, uh, Illinois, um, in one of the worst played football games I've ever seen in my life. Um, so that was Darrell's first year. Uh, new first uh, year. I think people were st- I was still holding out hope at that point. Um, I thought that he kind of um, he recruited well and I bought the excuse that there just wasn't a whole lot of talent in the program because there wasn't. They were starting um, their own human turnover machine at quarterback and Kevin Kraft so it it made sense that they went four and eight. Um, I, I didn't like seeing the blowouts the 59 nothing to you uh, to BYU but they y- you could at least talk yourself into that still it wasn't until, you know, deep into year two and then the start of year three where I started to go fully out on New Um, And then more, uh, I would say more, I felt more optimistic than I do now. Um, if I'm putting on my like UCLA, wanting UCLA to do well, stand like uh, hat, um, more, I would have felt more optimistic. They looked really good at the end of 2012. I mean, that Baylor game aside, beat SC for the first time in a while. Um, put together a nine and three regular season. Um, so there was a lot of reason for optimism about the future. I think with Chip, Kelly, you've got to squint a little bit more because it's they're starting from a much lower point. I mean, this is a worse record than they had even in Heisel's first year. Um, but they, the offense looks the part. Um, now at the end of the season, the offense does look like it can be a good offense as early as next year. Um, my reasons for skepticism still would be defense defense, which, um, I don't know if they're going to have the personnel even next year to run what is clearly their preferred defense, which is sort of a zone blitzing, pretty aggressive scheme. They just don't have any pass rushers. Um, and I don't know, I don't know how I feel about the position coaching at linebacker. It seemed like the one unit that didn't show a ton of improvement this year. Um, so that'd be something I would look at. Um, but special teams, um, I've always, and I'm not going to be inconsistent on this, I've always pinned special teams on head coach. When special teams are bad, I say that's head coach inattention because I think that's what it is. It's got to be an area of focus. Um, I'm willing to give them a complete mulligan on this year because they were playing a bunch of walk-ons and, and freshmen because they had no depth at the end of the year. But special teams needs to improve a ton next year. Um, they gave up way, way too much. You could pin almost two entire blowout losses on special teams and that just can't happen um but there's there look chip kelly can run an offense that's obvious they turned a bunch of spare parts into a pretty good offense by the end of the year i think with a full year of guys developing in the system um you know finding better fits for what they want to do the offense is going to be good next year and that'll be um that's enough reason for optimism so i guess in the Long rambling response, I would put it ahead of New and Durrell and behind Mora in terms of level of optimism after year one.
2: Nice. All right. Well, thanks for that one, Travis. Appreciate it.
0: All right. Uh, Justin is spam. Joshua, season over. Hey, Ryan and Dave, it's your loyal listener in Arkansas, Joshua. With another season full of parody, Larry Scott must be thrilled. Where do you think teams go from here? Looks like Stanford, Colorado, and Arizona are on their way down, and Oregon, UCLA, and weirdly, Oregon State. Hmm, no. Might be on their way up in the parody scape. What do you think, David? Does Clay Helton need a contract extension? Obviously. I'm weirdly excited to see where the momentum of the season goes into next year. Washington may be one recruiting class and a quarterback away from going back to the playoff. And the Arizona schools may burn to the ground. As fun as the season was, the offseason could be filled with as much drama. Um, I would say Arizona and Colorado definitely look like they've hit a lull. Um, Arizona got... I think a little bit unlucky here at the end, um, but going five and seven, not great in Kevin Sumlin's first year. Um, and it, it's uh, Khalil Tate's comments after the game did not sound like he was super interested in returning to Tucson next year. Though we'll see on that. That um, was weird. He that gave, was he gave
2: weird. No comment or whatever.
0: But we've talked. I mean, I, I think I mentioned this, but I'd heard earlier in the year that he did not mesh. Perfectly well with Noel Mazzoni, uh the offensive coordinator there. Yeah. And I don't know that he's a perfect fit for that. So maybe that's playing into it. I don't know, but that might send them into full rebuild. Um Stanford, I'm uh, in mean, kind of wait and see. I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week, but um I would say I I don't know that any of Oregon UCLA and Oregon State are clearly on their way up. Yeah. No, I, would. I mean UCLA. I would say the offense looks like it's it looks like a team very capable of going six and six, seven and five next year. Like sure. I think that's t- totally on the table. Um, and if that's on the way up, fine. Okay, then UCLA is on the way up. But Oregon, I mean, this was pretty much par given where they were last year, right? Right.
2: You thought they'd be better.
0: Yeah, and I thought they would be nine and three this year, and I think they finished what eight and four. Um, so that doesn't feel like a clear step up. And Oregon State. You know, I was talking. About, I was talking about midseason, but they sort of collapsed down the stretch. Yes. So I don't know about them either. So yeah, I think you can say <laughs> Washington State clearly has a good thing going. Uh, Washington clearly has a good thing going. Uh, Cal is the team I would say is maybe on their way up. Um, that defense is trouble for everybody. Utah, I would say you could you could argue is on the way up. Um, USC, I would say is one of those teams that's on the way down. Um, and yeah, that's that's probably the landscape for me.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, okay, I guess we got Zach next. Zach in New York City. He mm-hmm. said, "Hey, Ryan and Dave, fantastic season! Now, if only we could find a Pac-12 team that performed as well as this podcast on a week in and week out basis, we'd be cooking with gas."
0: I love
2: that phrase. That's uh that's high praise from Zach. Thank you. It is. It's funny for years and years I was told by pompous dollar sign U C T E R S suckers. So,
0: suckters.
2: Suckters. I don't know what that means. Is
0: that is that what you guys call
2: yourself over there? I That's what the email I get usually has that at the as the address Ryan the Suckter. Mm. uh it was dollar sign U C and then T E R S uh that UCLA didn't have the money to compete. Up until the day Chip Kelly got hired, there were threads on the P saying we couldn't afford him. Uh, Is it actually possible that this was all projection? Does Dollar Sign UC not have the cash to fire Clay Hilton? Or like most trust fund kids, did Dollar Sign UC just hire their friends to run their dad's businesses and run it into the ground? I'm going with B on that Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, where does... USC's money situation isn't great right now, no. right? Because of the the sexual stuff going on with the school gynecologist or whatever.
2: Yeah, that that the um the former dean of the medical school, there's like yeah, like eight or nine I mean, ten, nine or ten figure like lawsuits being settled and stuff. There's a lot of uh and there's no uh you know, real president. They have an interim president uh right now. So they probably won't have a president in place until the spring or summer. So there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Like as bad of a as badly run as the USC athletic department is right now, uh, there's also turmoil above the athletic department. So it can kind of mask some of the stuff um you know that's going on in the athletic department because they have like bigger huge issues to deal with. Yep. Uh instead of true false this week, I'm going to ask questions in a different format, but they should still only require short answers. All right, he's got uh five or six of them here. The most overrated QB to come out of SoCal since Jimmy Clausen is JT Daniels, Ricky Town, Blake Barnett. Funny, what do these three have in common? Spoiler, all three were committed to dollar sign UC uh, at one point.
0: I mean, the obvious answer is Ricky Town.
2: Yeah, Ricky Town by far. Like, No, I mean, JT Daniels had comparable numbers to Matt Barkley who just signed another pro contract recently. So as much as you would say, oh, he's a bust, he's still getting paid in the NFL, you know? Um, so JT Daniels were numbers or uh, similar to his going forward. You'd rather have JT Daniels or DTR as your quarterback. Ooh, what do you mm. mean? It depends mm. what system
0: you're running. Like, I think they're
2: fine where they are. Um,
0: I think I'd go DTR better physical tools. If you've got a good developing coach, um, I think he's got more to work with. I think JT Daniels is closer to his um, max upside. Just from because I don't think his arm is going to get a whole lot stronger. I don't think he's going to develop a huge amount physically at this point. Whereas DTR, he has so few reps at quarterback and has so few and still has a lot of, you know, musculature to gain. And he's already got a much stronger arm than Daniels. So I would take Thompson Robinson just from a development standpoint. All right.
2: True or false? Clay Helton makes it to the UCLA game next year. Okay. Let's look.
0: All right. So. They've got to play Fresno state, um, in LA at BYU and at Notre Dame. Um, and, and Notre Dame is early this, uh, next year. It's in October. October. Yeah. Yeah. So they've got to get all those out of the way before they, um, they get to UCLA. What are they going in the non-con next year at BYU and at Notre Dame in the non-con?
2: I mean, I don't, I think anything's on the table. Um, I'm going to
0: say one and two. Yeah. I think they go one and two in that stretch. Easy. They win one. They, and could, they, go,
2: they could lose yeah. to Fresno State easy. They could lose on the road to BYU easy. All
0: right, so UCLA, I think it should be the last game for them because they get Notre Dame early. I'm guessing it will be. Yeah. Um. So that leaves them with having to go on the road to ASU, at Cal, at Colorado. Um, they finally have to play Washington and Oregon again, and they ditch Oregon State and Washington State. Um, it's at Washington this year. Coming up, uh, I'm going to say he does not make it to the UCLA game.
2: Here's the thing: they've fired their last two coaches in season. I don't think Lin Swan wants to do that.
0: What if they're three and eight going into that
2: game? Oh no, I mean they could be. Um, but what if they're five and seven this year against a, a weak conference and you bring them back? So.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, but the, think about the rage and I mean the rage in the fan base is is high right now. But the season's over. Imagine it if they're like. I don't know, two and five at one point next year.
2: Yeah, no, they, they could be, I mean, you could see something like that happen. And then the other thing is now you could see some more like Mike McIntyre situations where you do it a week early because you got to get started because you wait till the end of the season and you're talking about, uh, you know, you're three weeks away from signing day. Uh, my guess would be, he would have to have somebody in place at that point. Um, but I'm going to say false, but probably after that game. True. Uh, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. Uh, what's the over under on games Helton can lose without getting fired mid season next year? My, my gut's telling me he's not going to get fired mid season, but they could, you know, lose six, seven, eight games by then. You know, who knows?
0: It, so, what's the number? Like, what's the record have to be after, say, that Notre Dame game? Whatever that'll be. Like, after seven games, what does the record have to be for him to get canned right then? Oh, and seven. So, so
2: So, if it's like two and five, and you get. Beat badly by Notre Dame, then I could see it potentially happening. It's, but only if you make a big hire for one of your coordinators that you could replace him with. Um, but it just doesn't let, you know, if Swan's going to be all in on him now, it's hard to picture he wouldn't like last through the next season, you know? But um, I don't know. Yeah. But if it's like two and five or something, there'd be so much outrage. I, maybe they just would have to. I think they would. But you thought they'd have to this time. I mean, they, yeah, it's bad, but whatever. Uh let's see. And then Mike Leach officially has a Mora Stanford level uh UW problem. What is that? So
0: more, more unable to beat Stanford and
2: Oh, okay.
0: Um I was like, false. False only because Mike Leach's problem with UW is much, much worse. I mean they're they're getting <laughs> they're getting blown every year. Like yeah. Stanford beat UCLA a bunch, but one year they had it like they UCLA had the lead with 30 seconds to go. They nearly beat him in a Pac-12 championship game. Like they, they were more competitive games, even with a lot of blowouts in there, than Leach has had against Washington. Yeah, he needs to figure that out immediately.
2: He's got to do something there because like, no matter how you do the rest of the season, like to be that close and then just get just not even show up,
0: not even competitive. Like that's the thing. They weren't. I mean, okay, and I'm sure Washington State fans are probably screaming right now. It was 20 to 15, but it was. Like, they weren't. They weren't moving the ball at all. No, it like, wasn't. It was wasn't. awful. It wasn't good.
2: What, uh, well, Mora, so, so Mora never beat Stanford, right?
0: Uh, no, no, no. still no. okay. hasn't beaten Stanford since 2008.
2: Okay. So it's like 10 or 11 in a row. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. 10 straight. I 10 think.
2: straight. Okay. And then said, if you look into future questions. So these are like questions he wants to ask later or no. Okay. The future is bright <laughs> for which, brightest for which team? Hmm. Future so bright.
0: Washington, right? I would say Washington. But you, yeah,
2: I think Utah's got a bright future too.
0: Yeah, um, I would just say Washington has, has um, also stepped up its recruiting too of late. True. So, you know, at early Peterson era, they're recruiting at a consistent like top 35 level. It seems to have bumped up more to the top 25 level of late. So I would say Washington, the future is bright for what the teams where it's bright are Washington. I think Washington state too as long as they have Leach they're going to win 9 games a year. Yeah. Um and then I'm in wait and see on Oregon. I know their recruiting's great, um but I'm in wait and see on coaching. Uh future is always kind of you know the same at Utah. I mean they're 9 and 3 this year, but is that fundamentally different than what they've done a lot of other years?
2: Last year they I mean they they had like a losing record in conference, so it's better than that.
0: Yeah, but they, I mean, they've gone eight and four a bunch. They've yeah. done, I mean, they're, it's not, what I'm saying is it's not too dissimilar. It's not like this is a major step up for them. They, they sort of lucked out that the Pac-12 South has got off of this year, so you can win it at six and three. Um, so you're dissing on them, huh? No, I, and, I, and I don't even mean it to sound like that. Um, you know, Ute fans are huge on Twitter. They're going to get all over you. At David gonna David Woods. are going to rip me, but they <laughs> went, I mean, what did they go, eight and four in 2016? They went. Uh, they went nine and three in twenty fifteen. Like they've done this before. They've been a consistently. It's what we talked about. I think in the preseason this year, or maybe it was in their our overview of the different programs standpoint. But they're 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 the most consistently good program in the Pac twelve South. just sure. They had won it until this year.
2: Yeah. And then the future is murkiest for which team? I'll probably go in USC. Where would you? Arizona. Arizona murky? Okay.
0: Like Arizona's you, pretty murky right now.
2: Um I mean Oregon State's always pretty murky, but like you're going, you're swimming from one murky pool to the other. So I don't know. It doesn't seem very different. Like you're probably gonna be less murky than what you are now.
0: Yeah, I would say it's Colorado, Arizona, and USC. Those yeah. are the murkiest for me.
2: But for USC to go from like Rose Bowl win, Pac 12 championship to no bowl game, that's they they dove into a, a big murky pond. Um what player, uh what player then most uh, I'm sorry that most haven't heard of do you expect to break out next year that's a let's really... save
0: that let's save that for like yeah. offseason stuff that,
2: that's a bad question for us too uh if you haven't oh, heard oh of them, God like, yeah, why have would us we... think
0: of somebody off the top of our heads that, that you
2: haven't heard of you know uh first coach fired next year kidding it's Hilton thanks for a great season guys and if you keep going in the off season I'll keep listening
0: oh we're going year round baby
2: yeah we're trying
0: All right, um we got a text message you ready yep I'll be honest. I thought Ryan doing the will they, won't they articles on uscfootball.com was just him trying to drive site traffic. I never dreamed that Lynn Swan would be prescient enough to keep Clay Helton. You can't fire two Rose Bowl before he gets a chance to get his guys in the program. <laughs> Hashtag leave Clay alone. Smart. That sounds, and that's a 714 number. So there's even odds. That's a USC fan right there just clamoring for the return.
2: Yeah, pretty good. Clayton,
0: Clayton Helton. He loves Is it. That, is he, is he Clayton
2: Hilton? I
0: think he is. Why did his parents give him that?
2: I don't know. I'm not sure. Or maybe he has a different first name and he goes by Clay.
0: Let's see. Oh, he's Charles Clay. Sure. Oh, so, so he and Chip Kelly are both Charleses. Oh, so they're like similar. He's Charles Clay. Uh, Chip is Charles Edward. Okay. Okay. Nice. All right.
2: Um, Hithleday. Uh, let's see. This is where's is this from? Don't
0: read the first one because it's about Oregon State. When he was trying to get us to do his preview for him, read the second one.
2: What's the second? Uh, let me see.
0: Where is it's, it? It's I'll read it. I'll read it. I'm okay. It. Rodents or the usual guys? Um, so he asked one question about Oregon State. It was, you know, uh, they were playing Oregon State. I'm, I'm not going to answer it because I don't want to talk about Oregon State anymore. They disappointed me this year. Uh, but he says, also a quest for future shows when discussing Oregon's midseason statistical performance compared to other teams in the league, please try to remember that they're the only team in the Pac-12 that doesn't get their beaver bump until the end of the year. Good point. We won't remember.
2: <laughs> their beaver bump. Nice. Uh, Frank in Sacramento of Mice and Men and ADS. The athletic director has one job to do in a bad football year. Give the fans hope. Lynn Swan did the opposite. He is a mouse, not a man, and certainly not an athletic director. Um, All right, Frank in Sacramento, not a, I guess he's a Steinbeck fan or whatever. I don't know. Um, Must be. Of Mice and Men. Was it Lenny?
1: Lenny. Lenny. Yeah.
0: So he needed, so what, what What? Frank wanted then was for Lynn Swan to Lenny Clay Helton.
2: Yeah, he wanted that to be the bunny. Yeah. Or that lady. And just. Yeah, but he didn't do the that. bunny.
0: The bunny clay.
2: <laughs> he did a lady. He killed a lady too, right? Isn't that the
0: something like
1: that? It's been a long time since I heard that. Book. <laughs> I think I something have it happened. behind me or somewhere.
2: <laughs> my little, I'm seriously, my little bookshelf behind me. I think I have it here, uh, but it's been a while. Yeah, I don't remember what I have for breakfast. So it's hard to remember. But
1: yeah,
2: um, Pac-12 is All confusing. Right. Oh, is this? You? Oh, you can do it. That's fine.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I'll do it. The Pac-12 is confusing. This is from uh, Vu. Hi, Ryan and Dave. Two questions. One, how does the retaining of Clay Helton, LOL, affect (laughs) USC recruiting this year?
2: (laughs) Good point. Okay, so they got 14 commits right now. They're ranked 29th in the 24-7 sports uh, rankings. Most of the people, I think they're fine. Like, they're, you know, I don't think those guys are going anywhere. There's some five four-star dudes, but there's not really, like, the big... Big name guys like you know, last year you got a JT Daniels or Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, they don't really have uh, guys like that in this class uh, yet. Uh, they'll try to get like a Chris Steele to come back on uh, some bigger names. The problem is that they've really closed well the last two years, but they had a Rose Bowl win or they had the Pac 12 championship to sort of rely on. They don't have that this year, so I'm I kind of think they're not going to have uh, as near of a you know, maybe. Maybe top 10, but maybe it's only like a top 15, which is pretty bad for USC, to be honest. Um, So I kind of think it's going to not be as good. They might close with some plan B and plan C guys, as opposed to a lot of the plan A guys they've closed with the last couple of years.
0: All right. Okay. And then Utah looks like it hasn't skipped a beat, even with their new starting QB and running back. Are they the same team, possibly better team now than they were when they faced Washington at the beginning of the year? Love the podcast. Thanks for your efforts. Go Dogs. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit. Yes, um, they're they're a better team. Um, they figured some stuff out offensively. They're gonna go much more run-heavy in this one. They have an identity now, which they didn't have then. Um so I would expect them to be a more complete offensive team than than you may have seen in week three.
2: I agree with you, but I feel like if they still had moss and huntley they would they would have they would be even better uh they're better offensively scheme wise and everything just seem to get it but i don't think it's because of putting in new personnel or anything i think it's i I think they've it's working which is great but if you had huntley and moss in there too i think it would be be yeah yeah
0: oh yeah for sure and uh that's probably the limiting thing that's preventing me from because when we were talking what is it, was three or four weeks ago we were saying utah looks like the best team in the pac 12 right now right um they if did, they had that if, clunker if,
2: against ASU and then the, you know, those guys get hurt, and then it was just like you figured they're gonna spiral, but they didn't. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh Bernie, he says, Dave and Ryan, who will win the PAC 12 championship first? Clay or Chip? Well, Clay has already won it, so Clay. <laughs> I don't know, what is that? I mean, from now? Is from that what, now? Like Clay won <laughs> it last year, so I don't know. What yeah. Know.
0: So I mean that answer is already done. So I assume he means for from now. Okay. And the obvious answer there is Chip because Clay's only getting one more shot.
2: Yeah, I don't think he's going to win it this year. Um, so I would go with Chip just because he's going to be around. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I'm not expecting. I mean, Clay should have been gone now. So, you know, maybe he does something that saves his job, but uh, he- that's an uphill climb for him. Uh, Dave, what, I- like
0: catches like c- catches Lynn Swan burying a body in his backyard <laughs> or something.
2: <laughs> maybe. Uh, Dave, after the game, uh, both Clay and Brian Kelly were asked what's next. Both replied they were going to recruit starting on Sunday. My question, Dave, is do you see Chip doing that?
0: Yep, that's already started. They've, uh, they were out on the road recruiting, I think, immediately, basically Sunday morning. So that is done, and they are doing it. So we will see what the results are like, if they can do anything close to what they did last year, um, recruiting essentially as if they're a new staff because they didn't spend a whole lot of time during the season doing a bunch of recruiting. So we'll see.
2: So, yeah, I mean, there's nothing else to do now. The season's over, so you better be recruiting. Otherwise, what... Well,
0: we'll a lot of bowl practices, so you got to (laughs) work... Oh, right, right,
2: right. Should we do our USC-UCLA bowl practice update next week? or what's? Yeah,
0: I think, I mean, yeah, we should dole them out. We'll do uh, (laughs) do USC and UCLA next week, and then we'll do Arizona and Colorado the week after.
2: Perfect. We love it. Um, and finally, just an observation. I watched the USC Notre Dame game with my son, 24, and nephew, 25, who played college ball. Those Neither- are those are,
0: those are are weird names for your son and nephew.
2: Yes. Uh, he spelled 24 <laughs> differently. No, I'm just kidding. Um, he, he had to give us the ages, I guess. Uh, who played college ball. Neither had seen USC play this year. I told them before the game started, watch how SC plays really well in the first half and how poorly in the second. They were shaking their heads at the difference. My nephew said... That is to do uh that is to do coaching. I think it means to do with coaching. Uh, that's due to coaching. Oh, due, due to, text. I'm sorry, due to coaching. That was way on the end of my screen. Uh yeah. thanks from Bernie. Yeah, no, it's that's an issue, Bernie. Uh, but yeah. Lin Swan feels that it's not an issue. So All right.
0: That's, they were herocious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready for Mark? Yeah. Podcast of Champions Mail. Dear Ryan and David, have you noticed the biggest reason why the Pac-12 Network is lousy at producing quality football broadcasts? Not because it gets saddled with weekend's least important games. The Pac-12 Network is state-run TV, a showcase for the least objective, most rose-colored viewpoint possible. To watch a Pac-12 Network game is to believe no player or coach makes any error. It feels like you rarely hear announcers point out mistakes that occur on or around the field of play especially from the officials. Does the Pac-12's HR department reinforce a strict don't-insult-your-co-workers policy? Stanford and UCLA played nearly four hours without a single mention of the Cardinals' 11-game winning streak over the Bruins. Ted Robinson is a seasoned professional and opinionated play-by-play man. Pity the viewers who want to see him at his best because the network pairs him with professional shill, Yogi Roth. Look, Yogi seems like a nice dude. I appreciate his X's and O's knowledge, but he refuses to say anything critical. Every other play is awesome or just great, and so on. He gloss- glosses over everything that isn't just classic. Yogi leaves Robinson a true pro zero range of broadcasting motion. Worst of all, his unrealistic saccharine approach insults fans who are who understand mistakes and breakdowns are part of football. As my UCLA alum friend and fellow Conference of Champions listener pointed out, podcast of champions. Club. Yeah. It's like the Simpsons episode where Homer becomes a food critic whose worst rating is seven thumbs up <laughs> in, on- in honor of the network's internally, sunny eternally sunny disposition. I've devised the world's worst drinking game. Take a sip. Every time Yogi explains a player's mistake or says anything remotely critical, you'll end up stone cold sober. Sincerely Mark.
2: Hey Mark and Sacramento. He's a contributor to the bootleg.com. So, I didn't know this this was uh the Pac twelve network was state run television. I, so David, you're you must be a big fan of that, right? Like that's that's more of your thing.
0: <coughs> no, I don't I don't I don't see uh T V as a essential as a necessity. <laughs> I don't think you need to decommodify the actual um sports. Um so no, no, I would not be a supporter of state run television. Um you know, in right. this instance. In uh- this instance. I've
2: had some people complain. Like, I I like Yogi a lot. We've had some people complain to me about him and some of the other guys. Kirk Herbstreit on the college game day came out in support of Clay Helton. And he was calling the game. So, a lot of fans kind of got the feeling like, yeah, they just were talking to him, trying to rally some support. Yogi Roth did the same thing. I think Joel Klatt did the same thing. So, you feel it was kind of USC reaching out to give some of their guys – notice hey can you help us out and and try to rally people around clay helton and i mean it's fine i think if you're gonna be positive that's gonna be fine but when you know you're you're kind of being disingenuous um and you know you're going against what every fan wishes then it's like i don't really like that as much um but i think yogi it's like he believes all that it's like he's just a positive person like that's the way he is um it's not like he acts like that on tv and doesn't do that in his professional life. I remember getting to an argument um, when he was covering USC and I was there and it was when Justin Wilcox was there and he was talking about how he's this great young mind and all this stuff. And he has been really good at other places, but he was not good at USC. And I was like, Yogi, come on, dude, like they're, they're awful with him. Like they're not using the the, the players well. And uh, you know, but there was some truth to what Yogi said. He's done a good job being the head coach at Cal. Most of the places he's been, He's done a good job, but he he wasn't doing a good job at USC, and he, maybe there's a bunch of reasons for that. Um, but you know, Yogi's seen the positive stuff, and that's where he kind of uh, gravitates towards. But that that's really who he is. Like I don't think he's putting on an act for TV. That's he's just a real positive person.
0: Yeah, I agree. And honestly, if you listen to Yogi enough, you can kind of read between you can kind of listen between the lines when he doesn't think much of a particular call or a particular situation. I mean, he's not ever ripping people, but. Um, I actually, I mean, I think he's gotten a lot better over time. Um, mostly because he very, very clearly does a ton of homework. I'm not expecting a whole lot when I'm listening to a broadcast. So maybe that's where I differ from Mark. Um, most people are really bad at it, like just very bad. So some guy who's overly positive, but also nails the X's and O's stuff and isn't a net negative to listen to. Like, you listen to him and you learn some stuff, that's a huge positive for me. I think yeah. Yogi's one of the best. I mean, he's one of the better color guys doing it. And okay, so he's not going to be perfectly critical of something that's bad, but there's a lot of room to be good without being critical. And I know that's an odd thing for me to be saying, but there is like, a, you can be very good at analyzing stuff without being really, really negative about this stuff. Yeah. Um, because it, there's just, you know, there's a lot of good that happens um, in the sport and he can focus on. So yeah, I think he's pretty good. I actually don't think Ted Robinson is that great. I mean, I've listened to a lot of Ted. (laughs) He's said some space cadet things um, uh, over the years that I've heard. So I don't know if I even agree with that one. I think Yogi's the guy carrying that crew, but nonetheless, good email, Mark. Yeah. Mark and go
2: look at the tweets from those guys I mentioned uh, where they, they defend Clay Helton and just, the mentions are insane. Like, it's pretty crazy. Um, how What kind of negative reaction to that? But I don't think a lot of Yogi's tweets get that kind of thing. But for something like that, that's very defi- de- decisive, uh, divisive, as I want to say. I'm, like, using the wrong word. Uh, you're going to see some some really crazy comments. And I, he's got a lot of them on there. Uh, let's see. This is from Yuchenna Apple Cup. Hey, Ryan and Dave. Welp, here we are. Another year. When the WSU offense dazzles the masses all season, only to inevitably become the Huskies pinata when the apple cup rolls around. It's like Dave promising Ryan that he will be on time for a podcast recording or anything and never failing to disappoint every time. Very good analogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, Not to be completely fair to Washington state. I'm sorry. Now to be completely fair to Washington state, The weather did have an impact on the game and one could say that it affected Washington State's offensive strategy, I'm sorry, significantly more than Washington's. That being said, Washington was already up 14-0 before the heaviest snow fell and the defense had kept Washington State's offense in check to that point. The game simply came down to, and he gives a few things, or two things, who was going to adjust their game plan due to the elements and who was able to make the necessary adjustment. Washington was the team able to make the adjustment on offense. Washington State didn't and/or couldn't make the adjustment. Hence, Washington won the game, and it wasn't like Washington wasn't affected by the weather either. Uncharacteristic fumbles and Washington abandoning the original plan to throw it uh, throw it around a bit. Simply put, UW has a better roster, better athletes, and was the more physical team and imposed its will culminating in an eight plus minute drive that ended the game and was the ultimate show of dominance. Poor Cougs didn't stand a chance. It's amazing that my guy called quote unquote low main outperformed Minshew in the elements. I mean, all that skinny dry dry piece of pasta did was throw dimes in driving snow and outgain the mustached Maverick Minshew who walked around bare chested pregame only to end up, shitting snowballs when facing the Husky defense.
0: I, I, sorry, I've got to interrupt. He's not dry. It's like a skinny kind of boiled piece of spaghetti. Yeah. Like, that's what we're talking about here. So I, I don't want to give the false impression. I'm not saying he's like a dry stick that comes out of the box of pasta. He's He's been cooked a little bit. Yeah. Like, not pure al dente. Like, he's 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 soft. <laughs> like, it's a soft, skinny, like, kind of... You know, it looks like a, you know, like a, like something limp. That's, limp. that's what I'm thinking of when I say he's got a, a low main arm. Yeah. All right. Just anyway, continue. Not
2: dry pizza pasta. Yeah. Uh, no. Can we talk about and analyze how a guy in Browning, who some claim has a water noodle for an arm? More like, it.
0: exactly, a water noodle. Right. That's
2: good. Threw for more yards than Minshew. Thanks, guys, for the podcast and all the work Ryan does to keep this train chugging. Uchenna and Des Moines, Washington, P.S. I don't really hate the Cougs, and I do feel bad seeing Minshew crying after the game. I like to see Washington State do well. They were just in our way of winning the North, and it is what it is. So it's a, a it's a nice Husky fan, David.
0: That was beautiful. Um, oh. I mean,
2: so how did he throw for more yards than Minshew? I think it's a question. and All that
0: uh, Washington State's defense isn't as good as Washington's. That's why. But they've been they've been how, playing how, better. How, how have you? So Uchenna, my friend. My, my good pal. First, there's a Des Moines-Washington? Who the hell knew? I don't know. Five. That's kind of crazy. Uh, I think that's maybe we buried the lead here. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Euchenna, my friend, um, you've watched Jake Browning play for now four years. Um, are we really sitting here talking about him, that he's better than a noodle arm? I mean – Come I on. think he's going to work he out. Fumbled, his, he fumbled a bunch and, and threw a pick in this win. Yeah. I mean, it's, and he only threw the ball 14 times, right? Am I, I is that the stats it? wrong? It was something like that.
2: Wow. I didn't realize that. Um, Yeah. But, you know, he's going to work out hard this offseason for his senior year next year, going to come back for Washington and play really well, David. I think
0: <laughs> that's my favorite, like, non joke in this, in this <laughs> podcast. So good.
2: I think I did it last week too, but. It's just it fun. It, you just wanna right. like you would catch that one Washington fan go Wait, what what? No just if they forgot for a second, like he's coming back. Um, all those all those <laughs> records, but they don't that want was my
0: favorite. Um, one of my favorite offseason jokes was when Miles Gaskin announced his return, and it came after Jake Browning announced his return, and I tweeted out, Oh, now that Miles Gaskin has made his announcement, uh Washington just needs Jake Brown to reconsider its decision, his decision and he'll <laughs> build a playoff game next year. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was good. All right. Uh, next up. I'll read this in the next one because this is short. Uh, I've been, this is a text message from a 209 number. Uh, again, we don't know who anybody is. Um, I've been seeing SEC volleyball games on Pac-12 Network. Either one of you guys know what this crap is about. Thanks and love the show. Hack. I'm assuming hack is the name unless they're calling us collectively. Maybe one we're hack. hacks.
2: He shows a picture like, so he sent this out there. It's like a speak for yourself. That looks like a, does look like Pac-12 network. It looks like FS1 he's showing
0: us. Oh, I think he's saying it's on the bottom. If you look at the different things that are coming up on the Pac-12 network, oh, okay. women's college volleyball, but that's Florida and Kentucky. I think this is maybe showing just all sports or something. It might be. <laughs> this, and this
2: also looks like, so I'm a cord cutter too. So I'm using like the Hulu interface, which I absolutely hate. It's really hard to tell. And they don't always get it right. So that might just be, I'm guessing the Pac-12 is not showing Georgia versus, or uh, Kentucky versus Florida in volleyball. That might just be a screw up on whatever service you're using. It's not, yeah, definitely. The, the guide's not as good as, you know, if you have cable or whatever, like the, the guy, you know, DirecTV, those guides are like up to date for whatever reason, at least the ones that I've tried their issues with some of the what's coming up next and stuff.
0: Yep. All right. Now I'll read from Wyatt, um, Dave and Ryan. Okay. This is Apple cup frustrations. Dave and Ryan, I come to you today as a bewildered and yet again, disappointed Coug after seeing the same result in the Apple cup for the last six years. Now, granted, this game wasn't as big of a blowout as the other ones have been, but that doesn't mean that it takes that it makes it any more frustrating as any less frustrating than the last three. I've gotten to the point where I just want to smack some sense into Leach and tell him to adjust his game plan so DC Jimmy Lake doesn't literally have to pull out and dust off his game plan year after year preparing for the air raid. That's probably the most frustrating thing when it comes down to this year's Apple Cup. Yet again, a chance at both the Pac-12 North and a chance to go to Pasadena are washed away by Leach's asinine thought process of not, I don't know, doing his job and adjusting to a really good Husky defense. With all this in mind, here is my question. Has Leach surpassed David Shaw as the most stubborn coach in the conference? Or is he too focused on thinking about what the best live mascot is in the country to think about how to score against UW? If he doesn't notice that something has to change here soon against the Huskies, the Apple Cup might stay in the hands of the Huskies till the end of time. Thanks for the podcast, guys, and keep up the good work.
2: I I don't think so, Wyatt, because I think for David Shaw, you would see him do things that were – Stubborn like last year, not playing KJ Costello and almost losing to Oregon State. Uh, I I think Mike Leach does his thing, and it works most of the time. It's not like you're telling him, come on, Leach, run the ball more. Like, you're not saying that throughout the year. Um, It's just whatever reason, this scheme that can mow through a lot of other teams uh, is not doing a really good job against Washington. So it's more about you'd have to adjust for this one game as opposed to all the other ones like David Shaw will do it. it will be like a week to week basis. So I, I would say they're pretty different.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think uh, it, it's a question. It, so to a lesser extent, Noel Zoni had this at UCLA um, where he'd be pretty good in like eight, nine games a year. And then there were like two or three teams that just shut it down every single time they played. I think Stanford was one, but there were just a couple of teams every year that could just shut that thing down. Utah did a good job every single year. And if you've got a good D.C. who just understands the fundamentals of your scheme, you got to throw a few wrinkles in there. It doesn't need mean you have to make wholesale changes, but there have to be some wrinkles that he can do. And we've seen it from Leach in the past. He has some flexibility to what he can do. They spent a lot of last year running the ball, you know, um, so or maybe that was two years ago. Whatever it was, they spent one part of a year for like six games running the ball like half the time. It was weird. Um, they can do that. Um, and. This was a game. This is a game where you have to get a little tricky. You have to get a little bit outside of your your base playbook, and I don't know that he's done that enough. And that's something that needs to change if they're ever gonna actually win the North and go through Washington to do it. Yeah,
2: I agree with you there. Uh, we got one last one. Christmas comes early from Santa Barbara, Kevin. So Dave, uh, you got what you wanted. Helton stays, but then be careful what you wish for, as Notre Dame did the same thing. When Brian Kelly went four and eight in 2016 and now they have a hand on the chair in the college football table at the college football table with a perfect season. What you want is for him to last until a season when there are really no good coaches available. Um, Question. Mm. Are they good? Yeah. You know, like I was working on a hot board and stuff because you got to do that stuff ahead of time. And uh, I mean I think there's some really you know, like if you get like a like a Jeff Brom I thought would be interesting or Dino Babers or Matt Campbell um but as far as like you know super home run college guys like I don't know if there was a ton of them out there
0: No uh, definitely not probably this not. is not a year not a year full of great coaches
2: So maybe Lynn Swan's just super smart and not That's still. all it is.
0: Yeah, maybe you're just being a dick.
2: Yeah, I'm such a dick like bashing on my childhood idol. Well, especially
0: because uh, Clay Helton. I mean, as I talked about earlier, he's gonna go. He's gonna go twelve and zero next year and win a national championship. Well, we have to
2: save that because, like, what if they do? And there's like, oh man, David, that'd be. You predicted it. You would have called it. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not banking on that though. Question: Is the universe where Morris stayed? I'm sorry, in the universe where Morris stayed, did UCLA beat SC and put up more points against Stanford than any of their opponents? These opponents included Notre Dame, Utah, Washington State, and Washington. No. They did not? I said at
0: the mid part of the year that I thought they would have won more games to that point, but I don't think they would have beaten USC, and I don't think they would have scored as much against Stanford.
2: Okay. And then other questions. Why is there such a thing as cover zero? Did UCLA score when SC tried to cover zero? Uh, Was the defensive coordinator not watching when that happened? Uh, as in how easy it is to go uh, a yard against it. Santa Barbara, Kevin.
0: Well, go yard. He means like go Oh, go, go yard, big. sorry. Yeah, yeah, not that. one yard, but go full yard. Um, well, cover zero, so uh, just in layman's terms, cover zero is when you don't have safeties deep. They're either being added to pressure or they're in man coverage, um, but they're not covering the back line, so you've just got nothing but corners in man coverage and all your DBs are lined up against the single... Offensive player, so it's reliant on all of them playing. Their assignments really well, but the most important thing it's reliant on is getting to the quarterback. Um, If it's a pass play and you've got cover zero called, you better get some pressure on that guy. Um, UCLA has no good blitzers. I don't know why they're ever calling cover zero over the last half of the season. Um, They just do not have anybody who can rush the passer, no matter if they're sending seven or if they're sending four or if they're sending three. So just send three and drop eight. And that's just the way you have to play defense. And it's not fun. It's not sexy, but it can be effective. Look at the way Washington plays defense. Look at the way Cal plays defense. Get that through your heads. You cannot be a pressure defense when you have nobody who can rush the passer. UCLA needs to learn that. If they don't get anybody who can rush the passer next year, they need to be more of a bend but don't break defense. It's not fun. We don't love it. Nobody likes to watch it. It's not great. (laughs) It It makes Washington super boring to watch, but it's effective. It can work. And I think uh, UCLA staff needs to, uh, needs to prepare for the idea that that's who they have to be, at least until they get the personnel in place that they need to be a more aggressive defense. Sweet.
2: Santa Barbara, Kevin, thank you for that one. Um, yeah, that's, that's it. it. That's all we got. What are, where are we at here? We are at oh, a little over two hours. So not too bad. I, psh, psh, nothing. We knocked it out. So the shows won't be as long going forward. Cause we're not going to have
0: as many games.
2: Um, you know, that
0: not- is. Those are such famous last words. I'm amazed. Do you remember December <laughs> last year or our entire off season where we averaged like two hours no matter what we were doing?
2: Yeah, but I don't know why. I guess we got a lot of questions and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, said we like the questions. If you want to you know, call, let's get some voicemails. We haven't had some voicemails for a while.
0: What's up, everybody? Do yeah. it.
2: Um, you can do it. Call uh, 424-532-0678 and tell us your thoughts, you know. And uh, we'd love to. We'll play them. So there, yeah. That, but nothing really planned. We'll have to try to get some guests, maybe.
0: Yeah. Guess uh,
2: maybe we'll okay. get Yogi. We get Yogi on and and
0: get him to respond to these slanderous tweets. Yes. Or these Emails coming his way.
2: I think that would be good. Yeah. Um,
0: awesome. He'd be, he'd be like, you know what? I just love uh, Mark, and I think Mark's a great guy. I think he's. I think he's. He's saying what's in his heart, and uh, you know, I think that's important. You got to speak <laughs> from your heart. <laughs> And and Mark will walk away feeling pretty good. Yeah, because he's you know, that positive. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Well, thank you,
2: partner, for a good show. Hope you hope everyone out there enjoyed it. That's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. <laughs> thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Champions. And we will talk to you next time.